0: You are now listening to the Region Free Gamers podcast. <laughs>
1: Welcome back, everyone, to the Region Free Gamers podcast, the podcast that is fluent in the universal language of gaming. My name is Ozzy Garcia, and I will be your host for this fine episode. And as usual, before we get into our episode proper, we would like to ask you that if you like what you hear on the show, Make sure to spread the word to friends and families, your granny, your aunts, uncles, etc., everyone that will be interested in listening. And more importantly, as we like to say, do a pile drive slam on that subscribe button on iTunes <laughs> or any other podcast listening platform of choice. We would also appreciate if you could leave us a review on iTunes, which is absolutely the best way to get our show into the ears of many more people. And with that said, let me introduce my awesome co host. So joining us remotely through the wonders of modern technology is our very own Canadian Bear Grills, Paul Ramallo. Hi-oh. And actually sitting right next to me only for the second time on the show. He has not been right next to me since our party episode way back on episode five. <laughs> and this is our dear Puerto Rican friend, Arnaldo Paris. How are you, man?
2: I'm doing pretty good, but I feel like awesome is a is a very strong qualifier. You know, we have to fluff ourselves up. Bars we, have been set have. now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and also sitting right next to me is a very special guest. Uh, this is going to be the first episode that we do something like this, so we're very excited. He's the author of the book, The Minds Behind the Games, in which he interviews a bunch of cult and classic video game developers about the games they worked on. And he's also the founder and editor of, uh, editor in chief of reviewfix.com. And he also is much more professional than us because he's a lecturer actually in English and journalism in the Kingsboro Community College in Brooklyn, New York. So he actually was able to join us because I also happen to be in Brooklyn. So he only took a <laughs> short, bus right away over to our house and uh, he saw exactly what he was getting and he didn't like it (laughs) too late now (laughs) and without further ado we would like to introduce patrick hickey jr to the podcast so patrick thank you so much for agreeing to join our little podcast
0: uh, thank you for allowing me to come on your uh, wonderful uh, establishment. Uh, so yeah, the musk in here is very good.
1: Ah. Yes, yes. As is as typical of any podcast of renown, you need to have some stale musk. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. I'm glad
2: that you appreciate the finer Absolutely.
1: things in podcasting. And like as
0: soon as I saw your apartment building, I put my knife away. <laughs> you
2: know, I'd just-, just like to say that. As professional podcasters, which you can tell that we actually are, we like to keep it a brisk 85 degrees in here at all sure. time. It's, I, sure. it's the only way to yeah. live. It's it's really the only way. I mean, so
1: you
0: I'm c- a big fan of that, that little John song and the sweat. <laughs> <laughs> the from
1: my, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Little John, a very, very, very appreciated friend of the podcast, uh, as his Shaquille <laughs> O'Neal.
0: <laughs> so, so, to answer your question, um, how did I start doing this? Um, my, I found out my wife was pregnant. And, um, she was about five months pregnant Mm. and she was coming home from work and she was exhausted. So it was like, she'd come home from work at like seven o'clock. I'd massage her feet, she'd eat and then she'd go to bed. Mm. So I'm sitting on the couch with like the cat and the dog. And I'm like, what what the (laughs) What what the hell am I supposed to do? You know? So I've been, at that point I was a journalist for like over a decade and interviewed a ton of developers and stuff like that. And, um. I was like, I, I wanted to be one of those people that when they had a kid, wasn't like, you know, I could have been whatever I wanted, and then I had you. Yeah, and
3: yeah, and yeah. You yeah, just yeah. ruined
0: my life, you little offspring. Of exactly.
3: Damn kids. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's why. That's yeah. That's why Paul decides he's
1: never going to have kids. <laughs> I <I'm telling you. laughs> <It's laughs> so, like, no it's ruining my adventures in the Canadian wilderness.
0: <laughs> oh, so many people do that though, you yeah, know? and yeah. they do it like subconsciously, or they mm-hmm. just, or sometimes they do it out loud. So you know, I was an editor at NBC. For uh, two and a half years, and I had a ton of fun there. Um, I covered two Olympic games. I covered a uh, presidential election. That's I awesome, covered um, two WrestleManias, like yeah, yeah. two and a half oh, seasons of Saturday Night Much more Live. importantly.
1: <laughs> much more important than any presidential election, Absolutely. WrestleMania. Absolutely.
0: They flew me out to cover some- SummerSlam one year. Oh, that's awesome. I covered like two years of EA releases, so, like mm-hmm. FIFA, NCAA, football, that's NHL. Awesome, so, like, I did a lot of cool stuff, but I'm just like, um, if you write for the internet for a long enough time, your work starts to disappear. Yeah.
2: Exactly.
1: So yeah.
0: it's like I was uh, – at one time, I was the most read journalist on examiner.com okay. for like a month mm-hmm. and my stuff was getting millions of views on examiner and then just one day, examiner emails me and it's just like, oh, the site's going out of business. It's been bought by Access. I remember. Blah, blah, I remember. Yeah. And all those articles were gone.
1: Yeah. It's oh, the same wow. thing that happened with up.com. Yeah, with
0: oneup. Uh, oh,
1: so <laughs> editors like Jeremy Parrish, Bob Mackie, et cetera, Retronauts, all, of, all of that work. I mean, yep. 10 – Ten plus years of work yep. just gone down the drain. So for I mean, me it
0: was only like four, but I was still pissed. Yeah, you know? but
1: you know, the only way you could find those articles are on like Wayback Machine, which mm-hmm. is not great. Yeah, and so the formatting is it's all so up. ephemeral. Yeah. Like people don't realize how ephemeral what you write on the internet is, yep. and that's something that we're learning as as this technology develops and as we have more experience with it. And websites come and go. I mean, there are so many websites. Let's say from the .dot com bubble. That just completely went out of business. So, Mm -hmm. if you wanted to go back and try to recreate history and archive that history of what happened during that time period, which is so important Mm -hmm. to the world, culturally relevant, you wouldn't be able to because a lot of it has just disappeared with servers gone and everything. Mm -hmm. So... You start realizing this, and I think it's something that we're starting to pick up a lot more on, which is that the internet is not going to preserve it forever. I, people like to say that what you put on in the internet stays there forever. Yeah, no. Not necessarily. <laughs> unless
0: not if it's useful. Unless you touch small children, then like, <laughs> if you yeah, touch small children, online, that, that will, will say there. Stay which <laughs> I don't. Which I do not. Do, <laughs> and we do not record. condone. <laughs> yeah. So, but um, so I was just like, how do I preserve like the type of work that I really want to do? Yeah. So I just said I think I should write a book. So I went in my man cave. And um, I just started pulling games off of the shelf. Yes. You know, so like Mutant League Football was one. Uh, Toe Jam and Earl, King's Bounty, um, E.T. Yes. And yes. I just started reaching out to these developers.
1: And and that's one of the things that I've realized, especially now that we're doing a podcast, it's that it's a lot easier to reach out to developers than you think. Mm-hmm. It, the the real hard work it's is trying to, to find how yes. to contact them, and then getting them to say oh, yeah. yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's, they're out there, mm-hmm. and some of them are not even involved in gaming anymore, yep. and so they may have a LinkedIn page, etc. Mm-hmm. And so and you those can are just... the
0: best ones to talk to, because yeah. they'll tell you more than exactly. the ones that are still in the video game industry. <laughs>
1: exactly, because those in the video game industry, they may not want to talk about prior experiences. Sure. They may not want to get in trouble with their mm-hmm. current employer, etc. So.
0: I just interviewed a developer like two days ago uh, for uh, 10 Pin Alley for the uh, sports edition of yeah. The Minds Behind the Games. That's okay. the third book. And uh, he's a rock star right now. Oh, like awesome. He's done character animations. Was for, he
1: the one that did table tennis as well? No, no,
0: it's another developer. <laughs> yeah, I love that game. Rockstar table
3: tennis. Is the that game, game is awesome. And, Dude, that uh, game is highly underrated. It's very
0: it. underrated. He's you can a, get it like uh,
3: CEO for $3 nowadays. Yep. Yeah. I know.
0: Yes. He's, he's an artist now and uh, he's the 8-bit Cubist on Twitter. That's his name. Oh, and okay. I just bought a sweet... He bought my book and... um. I felt like, you know, you had to you had to do the right thing. He bought a book off of me, so I bought a shirt off of him. Yeah. So it's like run D M C but instead of D M C it's G M E. But it's like in pixels, it's really nice. Yes. But, so I bought that off him. But the guy that did Ten Pinale is like, I'll tell you whatever you want to hear about Ten Pinale, but nothing don't about, Rockstar. about Rockstar. Yeah. But like I interviewed Lee Perry and he was the lead level designer for uh, Gears of War. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he told me some stuff that when it was finished, I was just like, Wow, like holy crap, you yeah. know. Like I felt like,
1: because oh, sure. it gives you a lot of newfound appreciation yes. for the game yes. and everything that went into it. And the the thing hard is work. Too,
0: how many interviews are there with Gears of War people? They don't do
1: a lot. I mean, it would be like Cliff Lesinski and stuff like mm, that because yeah. he's kind of the main guy. The big guy, and, th- yeah. and that's the thing. A lot of the times you just get the face, the yeah. marketing face. Like, and there's other people. Too. And there are other people that and actually, this is- and these other people, they may be the 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 hard workers that are toiling away yeah. incognito. And they may be the ones to tell you another side of the story. They exactly. may say, "Look, you know, they may say this, but this is actually what happened." It's, and it was a little bit harder rare to do this. You yeah. that,
0: like you do an interview with like the, the main creator of something, and they tell you that they haven't said a thousand times.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, so like yeah.
0: I uh, in the adventure book that's coming out this fall, I interviewed Chris Seaver who did uh Conquerors Bad Fur Day.
1: Yeah, there and go.
0: he gave me so much that we had to do a separate interview for yeah. uh, Live and Reloaded.
1: Where's he at? Now, what? where's he at now? He's
0: still uh, a rare what no, no no oh you meant no he has his own indie company oh really oh, he just did uh true. this indie game called a uh, uh, a rusty it's called rusty pup the legend of rusty pup no I've it's actually it. really good yeah. yeah it's really cool um and it's supposed to be like the spiritual is it, it as
1: r-rated as Conquerors bad for yeah. day yeah
0: <laughs> it's got great freaking music it's um well
1: it's, Conquerors bad for day has one of the most underrated soundtracks mm-hmm. of the it's rare we'll
0: put it this way it's different yeah. it's not conquer but it's very different i enjoyed it a lot yeah. um but uh, well, he was I, just I so yeah shooting. I find about it, Microsoft. Yeah. Oh really? Like yeah, for real. Like he was, like, Yeah. He there, got there, are, what
1: there are a lot of yeah. uh, postmortems. Well, I don't want to call it modem because Rare is still alive. Mm-hmm. But sure. there are a lot of dissections and analysis of what happened at Rare yeah. and how did Rare change after. Um, oh, he talks about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> after the brothers left the company, and Microsoft yeah. brought, oh, bought it. Oh, he talks about it. Yeah. yeah. So I, there was a whole understanding that there was a change in culture. And it's the same a, he's thing.
0: He's so funny.
1: It's the same thing that happened with Lionhead Studios, mm-hmm. etc. That Peter Molyneux founded, yep. and then Microsoft bought them. So it's yep. it's interesting. I don't necessarily want to hear a developer just you know pile on another mm-hmm. publisher, or another company. Yeah, yeah. But it's good to hear the straight story. It's and, like
0: I'll I'll give you an example. Um. So, Mark Flipman, who was a producer at Acclaim during the late 80s, early mm. 90s, he did all the WWF games, Maxwell yeah. Carnage, yep.
1: yeah. Terminator
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. 2, um, he bought the first book off me, and he read the E.T. chapter, and he goes, you were super fair to yeah. E.T. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He he goes, I wasn't expecting that. He goes, that was the first chapter that I went to, yeah. he goes, because I was expecting you to, to like just on E.T. well
1: now there's it. even a documentary out there for mm-hmm. et and it's just gotten this completely legendary status as a horrible yeah. garbage mm-hmm. and it's good to hear another side of the that's, story that's
0: my goal though because it's like i said it in the introduction to the book that like no one cares what i think mm-hmm. of the game
1: yeah 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 you yeah. yeah. it's, it's not about what you think you want to hear the yeah, story
0: yeah. And it, we, we talked about this before the show um there's just so many game books out there where it's just all someone's opinion mm-hmm. and it's like listen if you want to spew your opinion go start a youtube show
1: exactly you know exactly. i feel like
0: my book right now is in over 70 libraries around the world because i feel like i took the, the initiative like... to tell to allow these developers to tell their story instead mm. of me going oh at sucks which i don't think it sucks but
3: yeah. <laughs> no i disagree i disagree <laughs> well, i i had the unfortunate <laughs> circumstance when i was a kid of playing et i don't
0: think it's great <clears throat> But I I, I think it's playable for a five week game. It's absolutely playable.
3: That's that's the thing. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. what I found really interesting was because like like I said, I I played E.T. as a kid, like I had a buddy who had a twenty six hundred and we we loved Yara's Revenge. Yeah. Yara's is awesome. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and there were a few other games that were less memorable. But E.T., we were playing and we were like, this is horrendous. Like, you know, and just reading through your book, they're talking about how bad the collision detection was and that made perfect I think perfect that was the big sense. issue. Well the yeah.
0: thing is too there, there's like, no instruction manual.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah, we had no idea what yeah. to do. It was it was it was insane. Atari just like I mean
0: in the Atari game over uh documentary I, I think it's Nolan Bushnell said like Atari didn't uh wasn't killed it committed like suicide and it's just like you you make like they made like 8 million copies or something like that of ET so they had to sell the 8 million up yeah. to that point yeah. only one game that sold that many copies. It was Pac Man mm-hmm. on the
1: Atari. Well, you had to think about the install base at the time. I mean, were uh-huh. there even eight million people oh, yeah, that would yeah. buy this? No, there were. I mean, there may yeah. have been people with the console, but mm-hmm. you're assuming pretty much like
2: a, I don't know, like a 60 percent, seventy
1: percent. we rate well, see that thing rate. too.
0: Like um, I just interviewed Rebecca Heineman, and she uh, she's a legend. Yeah, she's she super legend. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. Um, she was telling me one of the problems with the 3DO.
1: A, a wizard of coding. Yeah. This, oh yeah, she's, this she's woman one of was the just yeah. Quarters. She did the Jaguar port. Yeah, yeah, the report for Doom was
0: it? Yeah, and she did oh, Wolfenstein yeah. on the Mac yeah. and on the uh 3DO.
1: Yeah, just absolutely and legendary. She said the
0: problem with the 3DO version was she thought it was one of the best versions that she ever did yeah. of Wolfenstein, but there was only two hundred fifty thousand 3DOS out there. Yeah, and the thing is, a mega hit game only has ten percent market penetration.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're yeah.
0: saying if you have two hundred fifty thousand consoles,
1: you're only going to sell a few of those. Twenty five thousand. Twenty five thousand. Yeah. yeah. So where's the money? It's made? it's impossible. Yeah, yeah, but no, I mean I'm, I'm glad that you said Rebecca Heineman because she's absolutely. I love her. Great, she's great. Uh, she did a the SNES too, so we get Port of Doom. Yeah, um, which you know it's yep. it's, and- it's, <laughs> Doom. It's, yeah. it's Doom. It's <laughs> running. It's Doom. It's running. It's not the version that you would play now, yeah. but mm-hmm. for the time oh, to yeah. get Doom running on a Super Nintendo See, the without the Super Effects
0: Chip. Yep. That's that's incredibly impressive. Even though it's not the best version of Doom, it's probably the first version of Doom that millions of people have played yeah? and oh, absolutely. weren't turned off enough by it to not play the next game. Yeah. <laughs> so that's your job is port it, when it you
1: created it created a fan base. Yeah. It created a built-in mm-hmm. audience.
0: But she's not Romero or Carmack, so no one knows who the hell she is. And and,
1: and that's, that's the crazy. thing also that you start realizing this as you start interviewing developers, that there are always the ones that are marketing savvy mm-hmm. and they're always the ones that know how to market themselves oh, yeah. you know the, the 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 Romeros for example mm-hmm. and we'll talk about everyone else story. just kind of falls by the wayside and
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think it's important to just true. say that this is something done by many people sure you know back in the day it may have been four five six yeah. nowadays we're talking 100. about teams of 700. Yeah. Sure. And, you know, a Rockstar game, that's done by 700, 800 mm-hmm. people. Yep. An Assassin's Creed game is done by 800 people. Yep. So how many of those people are able to tell the story? That's and, and how many of those people maybe inserted, let's say, in an Assassin's Creed game, mm-hmm. an animation that you may never notice, mm-hmm. but that
2: brings the world to life and sure. gives that extra rassle-dassle yep. that yep. makes it believable? Well, as a, as a journalist, as an interviewer, like, I feel... Like when you see that, when you see, oh, this is a team of 500 people, it's like, well, that's 500 different stories. Yeah. yeah. None of these, no two people on this team are going to have the exact same story. So it's always, I really enjoyed what you were talking about before where it's like, For me, at least, because I I also interview people in my line of work. Mm -hmm. um, And for me, the best interviews are the ones where I go in and I think I'm going to get one thing and I end up coming out with a completely different thing.
0: That's the thing that I've learned over the years because, like, now I've been doing this for 15 years that, like, I try not to even go in with... With any expectations. With any expectations. It's funny, too, because one of the games that's in the adventure book is Family Guy on the PS2. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: A game that was very critically panned. So, but
0: the thing is... (laughs) If you speak to one producer, he'll tell you one thing. And if you speak to another producer, he'll more, like, toe the company line. Yeah. And it it, it just may... Because, like, everyone... So, you have to know how to
1: sift through it in order to get the full story. Yeah. And you may get different angles of the story. And the two sides may get you the whole.
0: Yes. So or maybe not the whole, but just close to That's what ended the up home. happening with Family Guy. It's like probably one of my favorite chapters in the second book. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's amazing because that's not a that's not a game that anyone will talk about.
0: It could have been yeah. so good too.
1: Yeah, but no one will talk about it. Mm-hmm. And and there <laughs> are, particularly in the PS2 era. The mm-hmm. PS2 era had so many games yeah. that no one is ever going to talk about. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are going to be people interviewing Insomniac for Ratchet and Clank. There are going to yeah. be people interviewing Naughty Dog for Jack and Daxter mm-hmm. games, etc. But yeah. No one's going to be talking, let's say. Let me just pick one right off the shelf. Summoner 2, no one's going to talk about test right for the PS2, mm-hmm. etc. <laughs> yeah. So it's good to just be able to give a platform for these developers yeah. that toiled away and gave their life, gave Absolutely. a year, two, three years of their life in order to make this. And as soon as it came into market, that's it. Yep. Either it sold well or it didn't sell well, but it was it.
0: I speak to so many developers now like on Facebook, and they'll say things like, you know you see one of the games that you spend all this time on and it's like seven ninety nine now and you're just like, oh my God. Yeah, you know, it tears you away. Hard. It tears
1: you away because you know how much time you put into yeah, that. Yeah. And it's you like... You
0: in Starbucks and be right next to them and you play their game for hundreds of hours and yeah. you have no idea who they and are. And from
1: a psychological perspective, you mentioned a very interesting point which is, how does it feel to see that the thing that you valued and you put so much effort into is just... The societal value ascribed to it is $7. dollars mm-hmm. <laughs> That, that, from a psychological perspective, must be sure. devastating. <laughs> I,
2: I kind of think the opposite might even be more interesting where, like, I think of how would a developer feel if, like, I don't know. Like, they worked on a game. It might not be a great game, but it's yeah. rare now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's 1,200. Like, how does the guy who, who like, worked on Little Samson – about the oh, fact yeah. that, like, uh-huh. that game's insanely... Well, they don't even know that it's insanely... Well, old because they're, they're like, like, Well, he's probably like, what are these people thinking? <laughs> yeah. Like, this is... <laughs>
0: I, I mean, it, this is, like, a, a microcosm of that. The other day I was on Amazon, and, mm. like, my book's 40 bucks, and... People are selling it for over hundred. Yeah. Oh, really? I'm like what? Like
1: no. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You like, no, no, can just get it somewhere. No, don't pay hundred bucks for the phone. Don't book. do that. Like, no, I'll, do I'll, that. Sell for, I'll sell it to you for you know. I'll sell it
0: to you for forty. Yeah. I'll yeah. sneak in like a Cecil Fielder card or something like
1: that. You know. But, but uh, it's it's, it's I, I, I find it I find it very interesting that it's kind of like we're going back in time where at a moment in time in the 90s and the 2000s we thought everything is going to be digital, mm-hmm. and now we're realizing we need to put this on paper. Oh yeah. yeah, we need to actually. Well, I, I mean, mean, we're not going back to the times of Papyrus I'm sure or anything. You guys but have
0: heard about what's going on with Square that they've lost some of. Yeah, their abso- abso- abso-
1: absolutely, and so that's and that's and I think that it's good that now this has become a topic of conversation. I think that there are a lot more people nowadays, and people like Frank Zaffari, etc., that are doing a lot of work in order to preserve the ephemera sure. of gaming, which is very important. Mm-hmm. But I believe ultimately, when you have something. You know stories and memories, you need to put that down. How do you capture memories in any other form except to just orally say it? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's the oldest tradition. That's the oldest form of human communication. Mm-hmm. And I think we still need to preserve that. So to have your book in the Library of Congress, it shows that it doesn't matter if in a thousand years we're no longer around. If there happens to be a Library of Congress remaining, mm-hmm. we're going to be able to access this information. Sure. It's, it's the same reasoning that... The Library of Alexandria existed. We mm-hmm. we needed to it's preserve the this knowledge. I
0: could be to becoming a Highlander. Yes, 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 <laughs> and then and then that's also
1: part of it. You need to become immortal. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah. I mean that that's ultimately like the reason. You know? That's and, like, yeah.
1: It's I mean that my, uh, would be my reason. I my
0: main goal is for my daughter to just be like my dad is a lot cooler than your dad. You know. So, <laughs> let me,
1: I, and, and and I don't want it to get too personal, no, but right. I will I will talk about this. I was recently on a family trip. I grew up in Cuba, as I mentioned in the mm-hmm. podcast, and. My grandfather died about, it's going to be two years now. Sorry. And he he left behind for the last, let's say, 15 years of his life. All he wrote was poetry. Wow. And he was always writing. If you saw him on the desk, he lost his right arm when he was 29. And so, he had to learn how to write all over again with his left hand. Yeah. And once he started writing again, it's like his world just completely opened sure. up. Sure. And so, for the last 15 years of his life, he just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And so, I went back to Cuba and I picked up some of his writings, which was like a whole box full of writings. And when I started reading it, it was like my grandfather was speaking to me from beyond the grave. It was like he was just telling me, it was like a a diary, a living diary of, you know, from one point he's talking about how much he appreciated and loved my grandmother. And then on the next, he's just speaking about how much he loves coffee. And (laughs) it, it was just such a point of moment, which I think really highlights the importance of putting writings down Absolutely. and for your children, for your grandchildren mm-hmm. to know that you put this down. And Paul and I were talking about this before the podcast. We really appreciate and we value people that just go out there and do it.
0: Yeah. And there's so yeah. many people out there that just, oh, they talk.
1: Yeah. Them. It's like, oh, I want to do this or I want to do yeah, that. It Drives
3: me crazy.
1: And, yeah. that, and that's the thing also as well, that right now you have something like YouTube and there are some good people doing there's stuff on people, YouTube, yeah. but... A lot of people are toiling away in obscurity because mm-hmm. there's just so much chaff out there. There's yep. just so many people that are just doing let's plays or mm-hmm. doing a commentary that, as you say, is just reading off people of Wikipedia. People would just
0: rather watch Markiplier, flip out. Uh, you know, exactly, yeah. and so oh, good God.
1: you, when you put down a book, a book actually requires a lot of effort. Yeah, and it actually requires editorial skills and talent, mm-hmm. and so. YouTube, you require talent. I mean, that's, I'm not going to argue against that, that, but But it's, it's a lot, there's a higher barrier of entry to creating a book. And so what you get, you tend to get more higher quality. Absolutely. Um, Nowadays, there's also digital distribution. So that might lower the barrier a little bit. Mm But, you know, people like Boss Fight Books, they're doing some great stuff. That was one of the reasons
0: why, too, that I decided not to self-publish, that I decided to go to a publisher that's been around for 40 years. Because
1: you wanted that credibility as well. Mm -hmm. So, in any case, let's take a quick break uh, so that we can get into a little bit more uh, on the questions for Patrick. And uh, we'll be back in a moment. (laughs) so we're back and we're here again with Patrick Hickey Jr. He's the author behind the minds behind the games and we've already learned a ton of information that we feel very privileged to get to know so we're very happy to have Patrick on. So Patrick let's just get on the Wayback Machine. Sure. Let's just you know click all the different gears and levers and uh, take us back to your very first experience with gaming. What's the first game you remember playing? I was born
0: in 1983 so I, I think it's a safe bet to say that it was probably Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt. Yes, um, and that's the same for me. <laughs> for the first game that I, I can say that I actively remember being engrossed in was probably RBI Baseball on the NES. Oh wow! Um, okay. I'm a huge sports fan. Yeah. Um, my dad used to like basically use me as like a parlor trick. Um, he would be watching like a baseball game. And uh, with his friends in the house, and he'd be like, you know, PJ, that's my nickname. Like, PJ, come here. And I would walk out into the living room, and he would go, what's Kevin McReynolds' batting average with with runners in scoring position? Like, <laughs> and, <standard laughs> and this is like 1988, 1989. And yeah,
1: like, you oh. didn't really have access to fan graphs or none of that. Stuff you like you. that like, yeah. Oh, 412?
0: <laughs> and and his friends would go what the fuck is wrong with your kid and he's like he's just it's
1: like a savant essentially like oh yeah. how many uh,
0: home runs did mickey Mantle hit in you know 1960 and i would go boom and they would go what's wrong with him <laughs> you know, and i was like three four years old so I, how, how
1: how were you able to come up with this information how just you...
0: my dad used to buy me almanacs
1: oh yeah and uh... i would
0: just memorize numbers and stuff like that and uh i love like like sabermetrics and stuff, like Bill James. Sabermetrics, is absolutely.
1: I That's the reason why I'm into baseball. Mm-hmm. And I feel that nowadays, if you're not into baseball, you're missing out on a lot because mm-hmm. sabermetrics, to me, it's kind of half and if the you fun. Don't like,
0: if you don't like, I just feel like if you don't like sports, and this connects to like one of your questions, why there's so many sports games in the first book, and it's just like, I feel like if you don't like a sport, then you're a communist. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with being a communist because I know that you just came out. back from Cuba. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> But um like I'm not they're but... spectacle. You know, even like professional wrestling. Yeah. Like, listen, listen know, they're spectacle. There's like something communist countries
1: love their sports, so oh, yeah, I, you think, do. I think I think uh and base- um, I'm I'm a baseball fan because I'm Cuban. So absolutely. I it's, I think if uh, I had been born here, maybe I had been I would have been yeah. less of a baseball it's fan. It's a
2: funny it's a funny point because I think we did talk about this in uh, But the communist <laughs> countries don't like sports? <laughs> no, that uh, the fact that there's so many sports games in this book is something I do like because I appreciate it. I love it. I'm not a sports game guy. Mm -hmm. Like I don't play, you know, your two K's, your, you know, Madden's and stuff like that. But, uh, when we were talking, when we were doing our last episode, which was NBA jam and just Mm -hmm. weird sports games in general is when I sort of realized like, Everybody who's ever had a console, who's ever played video games for an extended period of time, mm-hmm. there always is a sports game that you're you like, this is the sports game I played when I was growing yeah, up. Yeah, and I really every like day. it. Yeah. The, yeah, way, yeah.
0: the way that I feel, and it's the reason why um, my third book that's going to be out in the spring of yeah. 2020 is going to be The Minds Mind Sports Games. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, I'll give you guys the list later. It's insane. No,
1: it's it's amazing. And I think also, I think there's a psychological kind of impasse mm-hmm. with video game sure. gamers you know and liking sports even though they liked it when they were kids mm-hmm. and that has to do with growing up in high school being absolutely. picked on etc mm-hmm. and you know the the jocks being into sure. the sports etc but i think that sports are ultimately just video games you play in real absolutely.
0: life absolutely. It, it's just larping
1: like basically it. sports are just larping You're essentially
0: right. <laughs> for me it, it was just like because i was obsessed with like numbers and mm-hmm. statistics and yeah. stuff They're an RPG. That I was able to take control over, like, the teams and the players that I love so much. And, like, I'm 6'4", so, like, I was a jock in high school. I was on the baseball team, the basketball team and Mm -hmm. stuff. But um, what I used to do is, this is, like, PS1 days, where I would manually update the rosters for all of these games. And then I would sell my saves to players on, like, the teams with me. Because they were like, oh, gotcha. Face-Off 99 is out. Oh, you have the Islanders updated rosters. You have the Rangers updated rosters. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, give me your memory card. I'll give it back to you tomorrow. And I'll
1: Exactly. That was a, the, the age before downloads and updates. Yep.
0: And I, I feel like this is the thing, too. Um The games that we actively super remember are not sports games. No. And they're not, like, first-person shooters. But they, they, but they without- must be
1: preserved all the same. Absolutely. But- and, and when you have iterations where you have an NHL game yes. every year, you have a triple play, or you have... Mm-hmm an NBA live every year it's easy to have that fall through the cracks
0: and the thing is though those games sell first-person shooters and sports games are the best-selling games on the market oh yeah so without those two genres we may not have games at all yeah might not have said oh you know I want to make super meat boy there may not be a market unless Mm -hmm. there's sports games and and first-person shooters that sell like crazy um it, it's funny
1: because it's just by like kind of coincidence that for the last three episodes, in some shape or form, we've talked about sports. I think a big part of it is that the Toronto Raptors won the mm-hmm. the, the, <laughs> the championship, and so yeah, buddy, we're gonna have, we, we have a clause in our contract that Paul inserted that we need to mention that awesome. from every episode going bro. forward. Yeah, so, Toronto
3: Raptors winning, much but we deserved. don't talk
2: about Kawhi Leonard. <laughs>
1: we, hey, he's still loved in Canada, so he I. Is. I
2: he, he is, and we've established this, I the know, greatest I know. Canadian I'm to ever live. And <laughs> he Anyways, really but is.
0: <laughs> but I, I do appreciate... It's definitely not John Tavares. No. I, I do appreciate <laughs> that aspect because... can't stand John Tavares.
1: For all, for all of us, we do have some sport, And for me, it was Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that game, I think a lot of people still look back fondly upon. That was actually a rare world game. Yeah, yeah. Which people don't realize. Mm-hmm. Rare, you know, yeah. from Donkey Kong Country, Killer Instinct, yeah. etc. They worked on that game.
0: See, the thing that killed... Kangaroo Junior for me because like, I love the way it looks, I love the gameplay mechanics, but yeah. I mean Bolt Lightning <laughs> 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 does not have the players' license, so but like, you could build them into it. You could,
1: yeah. So uh, so that the was the the
0: other yeah. thing. But the it, I, it plays great.
2: But even even I've always felt, for example, that even the people who say they're not into sports games, like for example, for me, like if I'm thinking back, sports games that I really enjoyed, mm-hmm. like. Honestly, ten <laughs> penale is the game I played a lot, mm-hmm. you know. Well then you're gonna love my sports book. Exactly. And so but even stuff like, you know, when you're really talking about the the overall, like what is what qualifies as a sports game. Mm-hmm. I loved wrestling games back yeah. in the day. Like, yeah. is that a sports yeah, yeah. game? Like yeah. Tony Hawk. Like, I love Tony Hawk. Like yeah. that's that I mean,
1: was... SmackDown was the game that got me into wrestling. Yeah. I, I did not care for wrestling before that, but it got me into that attitude era. WCW
0: and
2: sure. NW, No Mercy is is you know that's
1: one of the fe-
0: that's actually featured in the sports book yeah, yeah it's yeah, one of the yeah. like one of the best, Sanders best N64 <laughs> games that I've dude, ever played dude
1: revenge
2: that was a great era for for wrestling and
1: nowadays we yeah. only have the 2k series yeah. unfortunately yeah. for now yeah. but back we in the day we had this, so right? many different I mean you had essentially a claim doing the WCW stuff etc I mean they did the WWF they had the license for a while yeah but uh, that's I, that's a, an episode that we need to yeah. get into at some point in the future I
2: think the the real the real problem with sports games comes out. now <laughs> is that they've just all like every major sport has sort of congealed into the one big and it's so unfortunate. Like yeah, you don't yeah. you you don't get stuff like Mutant because of exclusive yeah, licensing. You don't exclusive get license, you know, that's one of the reasons like base why, wars like stuff like absolutely. that you don't see anymore.
0: That's one of the reasons why I have games like NHL Face Off and uh, Mutant League Football and Penali yeah. because those games don't exist anymore. Yeah. I remember back in the day. Back in the day, there was like you know. Eight to, eight to ten different basketball games yeah. across all the consoles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You
1: know? and You know? And you, and you may prefer one over the other. You may mm-hmm. prefer the feel of one over the other. For example, back in the day, I didn't care for the 2K brand of baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, some other people liked it. It came out on the Dreamcast first, but then it was released. But I didn't like how it felt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I prefer the triple play and MVP baseball.
0: Mm-hmm. MVP, yeah,
1: baseball, MVP baseball was fantastic. 2005. And it was just killed. Yeah. <laughs> it was just killed. And I love MLB the show. I think it's a yeah, fantastic, fantastic, it's yeah. probably to me the best sports game out right now mm-hmm. um, just in terms of franchise yeah. but I miss MVP baseball absolutely. and after they lost the license they tried to do the college baseball thing <laughs> and yeah. it's not the same yeah it's yeah. just absolutely Nobody not this
0: college baseball
1: I, I hate to say it but they don't yeah. <laughs> so
0: yeah um,
1: so what, what was it about RBI baseball that kind of pulled you in was that kind of like you well, said I like, like video games RBI
0: baseball was the first baseball game that i ever played that had real players in it
1: yeah mm-hmm. yeah 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 so it was yeah. just like
0: there was eight there was eight teams and two all-star teams so it's like um i was a mets fan but i loved don madden which
1: you answered my next question are you a Mets or yankees I'm fan i'm a Mets fan
0: good uh, my condolences I, I guess good or I know, bad I know, right? I, depends on the thing is it's a, it's a funny story i'll tell you guys really quick uh growing up i was a yankees fan um an islanders fan and a Knicks fan and a jets fan so my one day my so
1: one out of four basically
0: (laughs)
3: successful that's a murderer's row of mediocrity uh, except for the yankees yeah
0: well the islanders the islanders he decided he he needed to
1: complete the entire murderer's row Mm -hmm. and so he added the mets
0: so what happened i was was, thinking my dad was out bowling and uh, i was watching the rangers Mm -hmm. yeah because i love hockey and i was just like you know the islanders weren't on and the rangers were playing the blackhawks and the blackhawks had jeremy roenick and steve larmer and chris chelios i'm just enjoying the game and uh, my dad comes home and he gets all, like, De Niro on me. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm watching a hockey game. He's like, I don't watch the Rangers in this house. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and I'm like, they're playing the Blackhawks. He's like, okay, whatever. My dad ends up blocking MSG. <laughs> like, couldn't watch Yankees anymore. Couldn't watch the Knicks. Couldn't watch the Rangers. So, um, so then I ended up changing affiliations. I became a New Jersey Nets fan. Because <laughs> it was like they were on the same channel as the Islanders, so yeah. I ended up becoming a Mets, Islanders, Nets, and Jets fan. So like when they're when the Nets were making the finals, like three four years in a row, everyone's like you're a Nets fan, and I'm like I remember when Derek Coleman and Drazen Petrovic were on the Nets. I watched them that <laughs> uh, terrible you know? times. <laughs> <laughs> <Deep> cuts <laughs> So they were like shocked that I knew like the history of the Nets that I wasn't just like a front runner or whatever, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, so being able to play RBI baseball, like, it just gave me access to all of these players and their stats and, like, oh.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, especially so being a so savant about sabermetrics, mm-hmm. you were like, this is what and I just need.
0: Stats and Like, yeah. I would play I would play RBI baseball, I would play, like, one inning with the Cardinals, yeah, just so I can get, like, a single with Vince Coleman, and then just steal, <laughs> like, every base, because he was the fastest <laughs> player in the game. Like, I would do stuff like that, like yeah, just because yeah. I enjoyed... That all these players played differently from one another. Yeah. So
1: am I? Am I right in assuming that the NES was your first console?
0: Yes. And then uh, I was in love with the NES. Um, it was a great console. The the console though that I would say that I started to really like flex my creative muscles um, was probably the Game Boy. Um,
1: it's an amazing console. If you want to call it a console, portable.
0: I never had to stop playing. Yeah. yeah. And I had the, big, and you could take it out. the light and magnifier that went on it so I would go to bed. I still yeah. remember beating Kirby's Adventure in my bed. <laughs>
1: Kirby's you know? Adventure was actually Kirby the Streamland, first game. Kirby's Dreamland was actually the first Game Boy game I ever had. And it was one of those games that stays in your memory. The music,
0: I had my headphones on playing with the light on. And
1: and that's the thing, also, as well, because the Game Boy was kind of, it was actually the first portable. My The PS1 was. The first console, but the first video game system that I ever had was mm-hmm. a Game Boy. Yeah, and that console, that portable handheld, had so many different games yeah, on it. Super Mario, and Man. being in Cuba, I did not have access to a lot of information. And so, for example, I played Frank Thomas's Big Heart Baseball on that, I played WrestleMania mm-hmm. on that. And that's how I got to learn about things that I had no access to. And so, it gave you a very accessible way of getting information that you otherwise wouldn't be Mm -hmm. able to get. So, it's a very underrated console on that. I mean, it may not have been the best representation of that particular game, but if you had nothing else, uh, it really did the trick. And you could take it anywhere.
3: It's like you said, it did stuff that other consoles just couldn't do. To this day... When I go to bed and I have a portable video game console in my hand and I'm lying in bed, you know, before I go to sleep, to this day, I am a 10-year-old boy when I'm <laughs> yeah. doing oh, that. Oh, yeah. I think, like, it just it just right You feel like a 10-year-old right boy.
1: <laughs> What's that? You feel like a 10-year-old boy. It's like, ah, oh, I'm in my 40s and I'm going to bed, you know, being tucked away with my Game Boy. <laughs> I used to yeah. Like, and it's nice, man.
0: Like,
3: you know. It takes you back.
0: I used to run you, yeah. um, retro game tournaments at a video game store in Brooklyn mm-hmm. and, um, I decided, like this was like three years ago. I'm like, we're gonna have a original red and blue Pokemon tournament. Yeah, and you have to bring your Game Boy, and you have to bring you know. That's like, good to mention Cables that because Paul
1: loves Pokemon a lot. I don't <laughs> like Pokemon at all, but please <laughs> continue, <the> Patrick.
2: <laughs>
0: um, no, no, no. So, like, uh, what ended up? I ended up buying a brand new copy of. Red, yeah, Just, yeah, and I I started the game completely from scratch and I rebuilt the team and stuff. And I we were only expecting like eight or ten people to come, like twenty people came.
1: Yeah, yeah. So what were your, what were your mainstays on the Game Boy? What were the games uh, that Super Mario re- Land? Um, one of the greatest opening level music mm-hmm. by um Chip Tanaka,
0: absolutely hip Tanaka,
1: um, and uh, a, a game that really made you realize I can play Mario sure. on the and, go. But it
0: was such a different Mario. Game. It was a
1: different yeah. Mario because it was, because it was cool. done by R D One. Yep. But then they came out with Mario Land Two, which was amazing. Which and Mario Land Two just completely yeah. changed everything up. Mm-hmm. And then from that, yeah. the Wario Land series came up, mm-hmm. which we're gonna have to talk about at There's some point because funny I freaking game love Warrior that's
0: on the Game Boy that I really enjoy too. Um, What's Crazy Castle? Crazy Castle. Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Crazy Castle was actually done by Kemco, mm-hmm. and yep. uh, I've heard Jeremy Paris talk about this quite a bit. And basically, that game was licensed
0: out. Oh yeah, yeah, like in, Yapan, in Japan,
1: in Japan, it's like a Mickey Mouse game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's come out in like a oh, ton well, of different versions. with (laughs) the wonder
0: boy series exactly exactly
1: exactly it has that weird torture licensing Mm -hmm. history where they were just very free to just
3: license it to everyone
0: (laughs) um penguin wars was definitely a game (laughs) oh i never
3: heard of that yeah it's basically like penguin uh, wars is great oh
0: so it's (laughs) it's basically like you have like eight or ten bowls on this that that doesn't sound right just go with me um on your side and then the other guy has eight bowls and you have to get all of the bowls on the other side yeah and each character that you control is a different animal that has different skills.
1: Yeah. So the oh, game is just bulls
0: going back and forth. Again, I'm sorry, guys. Just bear with me. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of bulls swinging around in this game. Yeah. And uh, they just remade it um, a couple of years ago for the Switch. Oh, really? And it's great on the oh, Switch. Wow. Game. Well, and so. that's
1: we've talked about the Switch quite a bit on this podcast. We are notable fans of the Switch. But I think that the Switch is probably the best successor to the Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Because it has a lot of experience that you can't get anywhere else. I and agree. they're portable. And they happen to be portable, yep. and so mm-hmm. I, I
0: have not docked my switch once since I got it,
1: you know, I used to be like that, I used to be like that for the first two years that I had the switch. I did not dock my switch, mm-hmm. but then I had to play blazing Chrome, and I was like, I want to play this on a big screen because I want to feel like I'm playing <laughs> yeah Contra. you do mm-hmm. so and I was not I was not I did not regret it mm-hmm. um so then from the Game Boy, do you have any other consoles that you were
0: I mean, I have like over three thousand games um now um. I I haven't gotten rid of anything that I've bought since I was like 13, 14 years old. That's
1: good because everyone kind of – a lot of people kind of go through the period where they just sell off everything. I
0: remember like the first time my wife saw all of my stuff when she was my girlfriend. She was just like, why? And I'm like, don't ask. (laughs) Um, And I'm never selling any of it. And she's like, well, what if like, you know, let's just say hypothetically, (laughs) you know, we were tight financially. I'm like, we will never be tight financially. I was like, I will do everything that I have to do to make sure that like we are okay. Yeah. So and, that I don't have to sell my stuff. I will never sell any of my Like, there's no
1: stuff. money in the world. There's no money in the world because I, I have a lot of friends that sold their stuff and they say, well, I have like two copies of Panzer Dragoon Saga and mm-hmm. I sold all of that. Yeah. And it's like, you don't remember the money that you got from that. Yeah. That, that's that yeah. gone. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. no,
3: no, I, I disagree. I disagree. When I was a kid, I played tons and tons of different games. And the reason I was able to afford to do that was because I was constantly trading. Constantly
1: selling. So, yeah. like,
3: I had a Genesis, I had a Super Nintendo, I had a Turbo Duo. I never had any of them at the same time, though. And the only reason I got to play all those kick-ass Turbo CD games was because I just kept trading stuff in. Yeah, so yeah but that's very different, when I look that's, back that's on very that, That's very
1: different. What I'm actually referring to is you grow old, all these games are stored in your basement, and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to sell this. We need some money. You know, some of these games are going for quite a bit. Oh, that's a different story. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about trading. Trading, totally fine. And especially when (laughs) you're tied on money. Um, but I'm talking about I don't have anything to do with these games anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna sell them off, and I have a lot of friends. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, I agree. and yeah. and that's where having a, a partner that actually appreciates that matters a lot. I remember one no, crazy, she,
0: she doesn't appreciate, but you can she can it. She, she can just deal with you. it. Yeah, yeah. but she, like one,
1: she appreciates
3: you being happy. She, yes, yeah,
0: that's yeah, the most.
1: That's the most important part. And like one year ago, I was like, you know what? I'm fed up with this whole thing. I was wow, fed up with the whole Instagram, it. and I said, I'm gonna start selling off my collection, and. When when my girlfriend heard that, she was like, "What the hell are you thinking? Mm-hmm. Like, just stop! You're talking madness here. <laughs> yeah. um, you have a treasure trove, and you're going to regret it." And I yeah. said, "You're completely right. Mm-hmm. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you for I bringing was at me a back Game stop,
0: Like eight months ago, and this kid was just getting rid of like, it had to be like anywhere from like eighty to hundred games, and I looked him dead in the face, and he was like. 12, 13. And I'm like, you're going to regret this. Yeah. And he goes, no, I'm not. I'm, uh, nah, nah, nah. And I'm just, in my head, I'm like, you're an asshole. So. <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> well, especially like, if you're giving did, it to GameStop or something. Get it.
0: Yeah. That's the cool part, too, because one of my buddies works at GameStop, and like, um, they give nothing back for like PS2, Xbox games, yeah. and stuff like that. So they I tell them like, listen, if you want to donate them, to us you can and he's like but we're not even gonna sell them like yeah well, so
1: and people the, don't want to go through the trouble of the guy knows
0: them. that like i'm the person that i am so yeah. the last perfect example the last two weeks i've gotten like 30 games from him yeah awesome. stuff like stupid stuff like big mother truckers yeah. you know and like time splitters too and you're know, like yes. oh my god thank you i will take this i yeah. will love yeah. this yeah. you know so so what was the
1: first you know, when do you first know that you wanted to be involved in gaming as a professional? Because I know that you worked in journalism before. Mm-hmm. You worked for NBC, and you had a career before games, mm-hmm. essentially. So, how do you know that you wanted to be more involved? I know that you had that time where you were like, "Okay, my wife is pregnant. I have a lot of, you know, time to myself that I mm-hmm. could do something." But do you always know that you wanted to be involved in gaming?
0: Yeah. Well, see, the thing is, like, um, I've always done voices. And, um, oh, I couldn't tell. I just, did, I just didn't know how to get into voice acting. And mm-hmm. um, after the book came out, um, one of the reasons why I did so many diverse games is because I didn't know how many books I was going to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was
0: like kind of like get my load out. So, did you just book. kind
1: of cast a white yeah, net. Yeah. and cast yeah. just... a All
0: the developers that I ever really wanted to interview, yeah. I got in there. Yeah. And then right after the book came out, I'm just like, no, I need to do another book. Yeah. But then what happened was um, I was on Twitter and I interview indie devs all the time. Yeah. You know, like um, easily like a year, like 100, 150 indie dips I interview. And um, I saw this game on Twitter and it, it looked like a Catholic priest, like Minecraft style, walking through like this forest. And yeah. like the tree, a tree like comes alive and like slaps him in the face. Yeah. It's so, like this game looks really cool. So I reach out to the guys and I'm like, do you want to do an interview? And they're like, sure. So lo and behold, I find out I'm the first person to ever like contact them, I'm yeah. the first person to ever interview them. So I interview them and then they're like, do you want to play it? I'm like, sure. So they send it to me and um, it's like a point and click like narrative, but with like the Minecraft visuals, It it's really cool. Great music. Yeah. And the first line in the game is like, it's been a week since we've last heard from you, blah, blah, blah. blah. And week W-E-E-K.
1: Yeah.
0: It was spelled W-E-A-K. Yeah. <laughs> so I immediately said to my wife, I'm like, this game is really cool, but it could be a lot better if they had somebody to edit it. Yeah. She just said, oh, my God. <laughs> she knew what I was going to do. Another project. And yeah. I contacted them, and I was like, guys, I really like your game. I'm like, but it's obvious that English is your second language, mm-hmm. and I would love to edit the dialogue in your game. So, then we came up with a price. So, now that they're, they're sending me stuff, and I edited yeah. all of the dialogue for the game. So, now we're getting ready to go to Kickstarter. So, now I've been working with them for like a month. Yeah. Okay. And I'm just like, wow, this is like I have a paying gig. in video games games. Yeah. was awesome and uh, we're getting ready to go to Kickstarter and the voice actor that's playing the main character the Padre Mm. Alexander um, left Uh, right before the Kickstarter he's having family problems or something like that and they're like we're screwed and I'm like well I could do a better voice than him and they're they're like really? (laughs) I'm like it's supposed to be a scary survival horror point and click and the guy sounded like like russell brand (laughs) (laughs) like a wacky english man oh my god so again like you're gonna see a reoccurring theme here but like most of my cool stuff happens in my man cave i just go in there and i start to think and stuff Mm -hmm. so i'm like i could do a voice and they're like oh well give us something yeah so i go in the man cave and um i'm very good at that um Movie trailer voice like, Yeah, a world, one man, one tortilla, you know. And, yeah. uh, but I'm like, I wanted to maintain the English accent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, what's the movie with Russell Brand, um, Gladiator?
2: Oh, like Russell Crowe. Crow. Russell Crowe, Crow.
0: Crow, yeah. Crow, Crow, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Russell Crowe Crow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crow will kick my ass for calling him Russell Brand. <laughs> um, but uh, there's an old man. In that movie, that's like the original Gladiator, yeah. and he had this, yeah, this, yeah. this great voice. So, a boy came across this dark English voice. I am Alexander the Portray. <laughs> hello, hello, Paul
3: from Canada, the mountains.
0: <laughs> and I sent it to them, yeah. and they were like, "This is great. This is exactly what we want." Yeah. So, like, can you re-record? Can you record all of the lines in the game like today? And we'll put it in the game today. Yes. So this way, when we go to Kickstarter, you know. So I'm like, sure. So then I did it, mm-hmm. and then after that I didn't want to be a one hit wonder so then I, I auditioned for uh, Relentless Rex and I got that um, oh, nice. the main character Relentless Rex and then I got um, the Caillou Offensive I'm um, like the narrator in Caillou Offensive and then awesome. um, I started doing podcasts to promote my book yeah. and um, one of the guys that interviewed me was Kett, and he's a he was a senior animator on Bioshock Infinite and he's mm-hmm. the keyframe animator for uh, Overwatch okay. now he's super talented he's worked on Rio uh, Ice Age yeah. like he's amazing yeah and at the end of the interview, he goes to me, you know, if you want to get more involved in video games, like, let me know after the show. I'm like, no, I'm like I'm letting you know right now. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah.
0: So after the show was over, he was like, oh, I'll call you in like two weeks and we'll talk. So my wife is like my yang, like yin and yang. Like if I go, oh, this guy said he's going to call me in two weeks. My wife is like, wait two weeks and see what happens. Don't get too ahead of yourself. <laughs> yeah. See what happens. She's oh, going to be yeah. a little. We love <laughs> and uh, two weeks later, he goes to me, oh, well, I have this idea. For this game and it's just kinda like this, like something like this this robot is trying to save this planet. And I'm like, Oh, sounds like, like like Mega Man kinda and he's like, Yeah, but it's more than that. So what I want you to do is I want you to build the world around it. And I'm like, Well, like everything? And it's like, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And that started Kroom, the game that we're working on now. Yeah. But it's just like that it all just started snowballing. It started mm-hmm. from a Twitter message. And then just me taking the initiative and then just constantly yeah. asking people you, questions. Uh, and, you, know, you touched you know, yes. on something that that was interesting to
2: me in that, you know, you said you cast this really wide net and you said that you managed to get pretty much everybody that you'd want to talk to up to that point, I assume, mm-hmm. in in this book. And I think, at least from my perspective, as somebody who, who sees something like this, like this book, it's I think it's very easy to think or like to initially think like, the book is done, like, you know, he got all these great people to be on it. He interviewed them like it's great. Um, but it, you know, when you when you think about it in those steps, it seems really easy. Like, was there anybody that you reached out to that was difficult to to sort of get a hold of? Was there anybody you still haven't been able to talk to that um, you really
1: want to talk yeah, to?
0: Absolutely. So every, every one of them was difficult to speak to. And the fact okay. that like, these people are telling you their life story, mm-hmm. and you're not paying them. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have to work on their schedule. So, like, I interviewed Howard Scott Warshaw. I was in my kitchen on Skype at like, you know, two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. you know. Um, and then Howard didn't want to sign the release because he was yeah. like, "Why do I have to sign anything?" Yeah, and I had to tell him like, "Listen, um, the book is a hundred thousand words, and you have like nine thousand between yours and." and et like if you don't do this you're gonna like really hurt me
2: yeah you
0: know i invested this time in you and he was great about it he was like just do me a favor he goes when you interview me again just remind me <laughs> that like i need that i need to sign a release and i was like yeah. okay yeah so he was great about it but the thing is like every single chapter it was, it was things like so that.
1: We're, so were the lawyerly aspects the more difficult aspects of the whole the thing where people were where people were just like oh, i don't feel comfortable it signing was that this. so like
0: donna bailey who did centipede yeah um she had just retired from her job and I totally wanted more female voices in the book. Yeah. And she was just like, No, I I, I think she's working on her own book. That's okay. what I think. Yeah. Um and then Alan McNeil, who did Berserk.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I had him all confirmed. I sent him questions. His mother was sick, and then he kind of just like disappeared off the face. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, uh
0: nuts. Yeah, which that I mean that would have been a more killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Then um, the Doom chapter,
1: Berserk on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred and the
0: the arcade, and the Vectrex,
1: right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it was on the Vectrex, I think.
0: So what ended up happening was Doom was the last book that the last game that got added to the book, and that actually I wrote that the day the manuscript was supposed to be put in. So what Mm -hmm. happened was I. I did the interview with David Palmer, who did the Game Boy Advance port of Doom. And it's a great story. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, Dave was fighting stage four cancer. I haven't spoken to him since the book came out. I've emailed him to make sure that he's okay. I don't know if he's still alive. You Mm -hmm. know, like, he was really sick. And um, what happened was, this was like three or four days before the manuscript was due. And I'm just sitting in my living room, and my my wife is like, what's the matter? I'm like, I need Doom in this book. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't want... John Romero, because that story has been told a thousand times. I want to hear about this version of the, you know, of the, of the game. So I emailed him and I'm like, I have like 2000 words left in my book. They're yours. If you want them, just send me the answers. And I remember I was at a department meeting for my job and I was writing the because he sent me the answers. And then I just started writing the chapter right then and there. Mm -hmm. And I managed to squeeze that in. So I had some great, amazing people, but then, I mean, I had other people like um, who were great, but like, Mark Termel, I'll give you an example from NBA Jam. Yeah. Awesome guy. Like, we talked about parenting. We talked about life. We would, we Facebooked for hours back and forth, bullshitting with each other and stuff. And then it would just be like, Mark, when am I going to get the answers to the book? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm on vacation right now. <laughs> and, um, bo I'm like, okay. So, how is everything? Oh, everything's great. My wife, my kids, boom, oh, that's great. Da, 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 and we'll bullshit and, blah, blah, blah. and he's super charismatic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You
0: know, and then it's just like, Mark, my book is due. <laughs> In like seven days, yeah. <laughs> when am I going to get the answers? <laughs> you know, but then like you know, three weeks before he would go. Do you have Mortal Kombat in the book? And I'm like, no. I'm like, but I emailed John Tobias and Ed Boone. I didn't get an answer. I pitched them. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And he's like, oh well, I have John's like personal email. Just email him and tell him that that I that I sent you over there. So then I email John. And I'm like, hey, what's up? And he goes, hey, I'll talk to you about Mortal Kombat. And I'm just like, okay. So Mark, Mark is amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. He but, uh, he will go the extra mile for you, yeah, but it's just kind of getting him. the product.
0: Because the thing is, he's Mark Tremble.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: He he op- he marches to the beat of his own drum. He's like <laughs> totally. And I've interviewed people that have worked with him at Midway, and yeah. they were just like, he
2: he's a how wild he is. guy. But that but that's the thing I think that makes them the guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the the kind of like you know that sort of uh, particular quality in yeah. him that makes him you know mm-hmm. sort of be the guy that can make these games and sure. these experiences and all that. But then when it comes to Getting interviewed for a book.
0: And it makes sense too too because um, in the sports book there's a chapter on NFL Blitz two thousand two. Mm. Yeah. NFL Blitz two thousand two didn't come out until after the Super Bowl that year. Okay. And it only sold four hundred and fifty thousand copies compared to like the million plus that the, the Blitz before that sold. Yeah. So and the producer on, on So is Blitz, that on
1: arrival essentially?
0: Yeah. So, but the, the producer told me, he was like, if these guys were just able to get something out on time, they would have made themselves a lot more money. And yeah. that just uh, Do you me...
1: think it had to do with the delay? Do you think yeah. Had oh, yeah. Be- no,
0: had, in the chapter, I discussed it, it. had everything to do with the delay because these guys were used to working on arcade products that...
1: They didn't really matter when you released them. Yeah. yeah. Yep
0: so um i'll tell you guys another story really quick i won't mention the person's name because it's messed up but like um i got really close with a lot of these guys like and i still talk to them but i remember one guy in particular um sent like a group email out and it was like guys just do me a favor um if there if anyone sends you naked pictures of me like, uh, just delete them, oh I got in a God. fight with some girl that I was messing around with. Well, and this guy's, like, in his late 60s, early 70s. I'm like, good for him. Like, good for him. Like, you go, boy. Like, you know, you do you. But it was just, like, they're great. They're great That's freaking awesome. people. Yeah. So,
1: so I guess that goes to my, my next question, which is, what was the interview process like? Was it different for each one of them where you had to Skype with them and just had a um a list of questions or were you just kind of shooting out the questions so, and then getting some answers back start, and working with that
0: it would start with me going either to my man cave or the my local video game store brooklyn video games um and just looking through like right now i'm like you don't even know it but i'm, I'm researching yeah you know i'm just like oh maybe that maybe that yeah. and um then i get their contact information LinkedIn, Facebook, Moby Games, like wherever I have to
1: deep Google searches. Which by the way, let me just give a shout out to Moby Games. Mm-hmm. They're doing real? the Lord's <laughs> work. Oh,
0: yeah, Absolutely.
1: They, I don't know who's running that. Yeah. But it's been one of our greatest I assets. Love Games. Yeah. Yeah. It, because, and a lot
0: of people don't know about it.
1: No, 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 no. And it's so
0: arcane it's like in like nineteen ninety
1: nine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: like, font
0: essentially. Yeah. The template
2: looks like yeah. it was done twenty years ago.
0: But it's a awesome. exactly information
2: what you, like, kinda makes your eyes bleed when you look at mm-hmm. it.
0: Like three months ago, um, when the Padre, like, officially launched, like, I went on there and I'm like, ah, oh, my God, I have my own Moby Games profile. Yeah. That's like, awesome. As a developer, like, holy crap, I made it. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, I didn't because I still take the bus to work. But it's you know. <laughs> um, it's
1: kind of like that moment where you show up on the IMDb page. Yes. Yeah. Where you're like, yep. oh, I can call myself an actor now. A
0: lot of it is incomplete because I know developers that have worked on stuff and they're not credited on it. know. Note, but this is, like, this is a... But star- it's as much as we can yes. get and, yet.
1: Yeah, and until someone goes in there and says hey i actually worked on this game mm-hmm. yeah and so all, not all of it is accurate absolutely. unfortunately but it's the best you got
0: so then so then i pitch them yeah and then uh, depending on what they say then we just take it from there so um there's a lot of email interviews yeah there's a lot of skype interviews um there's a lot of face-to-face interviews too yeah. like michael brooke who did nhl 94 and nhlpa 93 mm.
1: paul's favorite game of all time oh dude.
0: but i mean we hung out in his hotel room for like two hours that's awesome and just bullshitted and now he's writing the foreword to my sports book yeah and he also was the producer on the original genesis version of madden Mm -hmm. yeah so he he has like three chapters in the sports book it's like nfl 95 nba action 95 and the original drama madden football so So, it's just like
1: so I, i guess my next question is what did you find was the best way to get information out of the developers? Was it just like the face-to-face interviews? Or do you find that the more structured format of just giving them questions and then having them answer um, was the best way I think it's a combination.
0: It? So it's like there were, uh, there were times when, um, like for example, Michael Brook, we did stuff via email. Yeah. We did stuff face-to-face. We did stuff on the phone. So when these guys want to have like a long, prolonged relationship with me. Yeah. yeah that's the best situation. So yeah. I've had
1: developers... Yeah, where you develop a report with them yes. and you develop a close affinity with them.
0: It's very rare that um, I've just been like one and done with yeah. some of these developers.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And one of the things, like we mentioned before the podcast, we just released an NBA Jam episode. By the time that this releases, it's probably going to be like two months old or something mm-hmm. around that. <laughs> but I was, I was very disappointed, you know, to see that there was this trove of information that... I did not have access to before mm-hmm. that, and so, for example, we mentioned on the podcast that the engine for Mutant League Football was the engine for Madden. And then yep. I read the first—I read the first chapter <laughs> yeah. in your book, and it's like yes. many gamers believe yeah. yes. that this was the engine for Madden, so, but it wasn't true. So my—and so I was like, "Well, way to go, kick yourself, Ozzy." Well, we can't promote. This I book know, now. right? <laughs> it's my my well. approach.
0: My approach was, and this is this this goes into like one of your questions is. Um, when I started interviewing somebody, I would go, So this says it says this on Wikipedia. Yeah. I know it's just wrong. So tell me the true story. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. like Michael Menheim, who I want to just say for the record is probably one of my favorite developers of all time. Mm. And um,
1: he did Mutant League Football. If
0: you yeah. like the Mutant League Football chapter in this, we did the Mutant League Hockey chapter in the sports book. And it's just as good as the Mutant League. Yeah. Football.
1: Because from what I saw, we talked a little bit about Mutant League Hockey, mm. but we weren't really able to get too much into it because we had. Little experience with it, and there's not a lot of information out there about oh, League Hockey. No, not at and, all. And and, and no, the thing, and the thing about it is, I didn't know that EA was basically like sending this guys out, you know, on death row. Basically, yeah. they were just yeah. like, get whatever you can Despite out. Despite
0: the fact that like Mutant League Football outsold Madden, yeah, and
1: it. and it was just like they wanted to be more serious, they mm-hmm. wanted to be more professional, yep. and so you know, to know that that was the reason why that game was not what it could have been. Mm-hmm. Was really eye opening, yeah. and so like you say, there's there's a whole other story that goes beyond just the reviews. The reviews Absolutely. just tell just tell you maybe like zero point one percent of what you need to know about a video game. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. like you say, a, a person's opinion will not give you anything about the context in which it was Absolutely. released. Yeah. So
0: like one of the questions I asked Mike is like, how did you come up with? it? And he 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 said he was like, you know, we liked the view in Madden, <laughs> we liked the play calling structure. He goes, but it was all it was all designed from scratch. Like yeah. sure, we used Madden as like a prototype because madden was was the de facto was, like, was standard the at that point. yeah and just to truth be told like madden the original madden is a knockoff of cyberball
1: yeah 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 absolutely like if you talk to
0: scott or <laughs> and cyberball is featured in my sports book that's coming out yeah yeah scott we also Orth talked says, about cyberball says like we saw a football game with the behind the view yeah. you know and the play calling structure and the passing window and because before like
1: that, that you had tech mobile which was actually behind on the view. horizontal view yeah, yeah. So, they yep. were the ones that actually had the vertical view, essentially, behind the
0: back. My biggest question when I talk to gamers is, when you listen to a song for the first time, you go, oh, this, this kind of reminds me of Nirvana. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. this yeah.
0: kind of reminds me of U2. Or, oh, these guys sound like the bravery, or blah, blah, blah. When, we, when you play games, you do the same exact thing, but you don't know that you do. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But
0: why don't we ask those questions? Why, why don't, don't we, we say... Who produced this game?
1: Well, one of the things that I find the most interesting um, when doing the podcast is kind of trying to find the context of what was happening at the time that this game was released. So, for example, I recently did a a radio episode, and I realized that 1996, 1997, there were some soundtracks, and a lot of them sounded like Nine Inch Nails. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, Nine Inch Nails was pretty huge back in the Mm -hmm. day. And so (laughs) that's probably what they were listening to, and that's probably what they were trying to do in capturing that industrial sound. So a lot of that zeitgeist is lost you know in the bins of history that's one of
0: my jobs i feel like too is to preserve that you know so people yeah. understand it yeah so
1: so you then had this wealth of games and how did you go about kind of calling and selecting which games and how you were going to start because you had too many games you decided you were going to split into several books yeah and so how do you decide okay these are the ones that are going and this are going to be this is going to be the pilot this are going to be the pioneers
2: yeah i'm just trying book. to put like enough big names in the first book that would make people sort of latch on Well, see, that's the thing.
0: Like, to with it the or... first book, It's I didn't know if there was going to be a second book. Yeah. So, I was just... I wanted to write something that I would be proud of mm-hmm. that um, if I only got to do one book...
1: Yeah, that this is going to be something yeah. that yeah. you could feel yeah. like you put your work and effort into. It. And
0: then... Because um, this is the thing. Once you release a book... And this is the thing, too. Um, I didn't hold anything back with those answers. Like, all of the answers that these people gave me, I found a way to, like, incorporate into every chapter. So, I remember... Mm-hmm. um I was having a conversation with somebody that read the book and they're just spewing all this stuff back at me. And it's like they knew the topic just as well as I did. Yeah. And I said, oh, my God. Like, I'm not special anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was cool because I was the one that curated all of this, that I knew all of this stuff. But now these people know everything that I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how do I make myself cool again? Yeah. I got to write another book. You got to write another one. So, this book has 36 games in it. So, I had 43 for the sequel. Okay. And it was the same type of little bit of everything. Yeah.
1: Well, one of the things I like about the book mm-hmm. is that you can essentially just treat it as as bite-sized interviews. And so, you know, you're able to be on the train, for example, and Perfect. just exactly read, you know, so or just the, the Toilable,
0: or, or yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: essentially. We don't want to call it a Toilable <laughs> book.
0: Well, those, I mean, to me, it's those are the best types of books. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah. And so, you're able to get information in a bite-sized format yes. where you don't have to sift through hundreds of pages, you know, in order to take,
0: if you take my book into the bathroom, I consider it an honor.
1: You consider it (laughs) because that
0: means you really want to read it. (laughs) That's fair. That's a fair point. It's like, I remember when I was in graduate school, um, one of my professors asked a class like this highfalutin question. Mm. Um, where do you want people to read your work? And some of these people, <laughs> Air Force One, the Library of Congress, and I went, the bathroom. I swear. And my professor walks over to me and he sticks his hand out and he, he shook my hand. He goes, yes. And he's like, why? And I'm like, because then that means they really want to read it. Yeah. And he's like,
2: so yeah. what, what was the, and I can guarantee you, everybody spent more time on the toilet than on Air Force One. So mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah. Or it's like
0: your Game Boy. You were mentioning the Game Boy before. I guarantee you, that you took that Game Boy into the bathroom with you. Oh, absolutely. Everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, geez. I had to
1: make sure that it had the six <laughs> batteries fully charged. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I was in Cuba and so we didn't get batteries. And so I had to do the rechargeable battery. So I had, you know, the charging station. Kids nowadays don't know what that is. Yeah, you know, I I, 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 had the raw. rechargeable batteries because uh, you couldn't really do this possible at the yeah. time. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I, I want something that I noticed that I found really interesting about the book as well is, and I... Ozzy had mentioned this to me originally. I didn't really notice it. Like it didn't really sink in until I started looking through it myself. Is that I? I feel like gamers have a very sort of focused attention on Japanese games, Japanese mm-hmm. developers. Obviously, Nintendo's like the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. Sony's also a Japanese company. They're everyone doing... wants to interview Nintendo. Exactly. Everyone wants to interview. Everybody wants like, to, like, to the do Hideo Kojima. Yeah. Everybody wants to do Miyamoto stuff like that. Yeah. You have a lot. of like the the majority, I mean the vast majority
0: it's like the North American games. Are Western developers
2: which are, you know, and that's how you come across these games like Mm -hmm. NBA Jam, League League football Maniac Mansion, that people really love, mm-hmm. but I feel don't have as don't get as much attention on the developer level sure. um, than the the Japanese side. So was that sort of a focus of yours? Were um, you trying to mostly focus on
0: Western developers? So I feel like a lot of the Japanese developers um, have been interviewed ad, ad nauseum yeah. by other Japanese press. I, I feel like they're not as forthcoming with with Western press. Yep. Yeah. Um,
1: they're, they're much more restrained mm-hmm. because they don't want to offend anyone sure. and they don't want to go against the company line. Mm-hmm. It's more of an issue in Japan than it is over mm-hmm. here in the so States. So it's like
0: to get um, you know, Nisha Sawa-san to, to speak to me about Wonderboy. I mean, yeah. I had a, I had a uh, translator that worked with me with him and he was amazing i love that chapter in the book yeah um cuz he's like a philosopher he's so and he smart.
1: and he's very open about yeah. things yeah he was super open he, he's worked with lizard cube he's worked with mm-hmm. the other yeah. um, yep. developers that you did, just did monster boy
0: what's yeah. the name that's a great uh, the curse kingdom
1: too. and mm. he's just out there he just he mm. seems like a guy that's not he afraid gets it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah like he totally and he totally got what i was trying to do he said yes like right away yeah you know which was great but um the thing was japanese developers were in his forthcoming Howard Scott Warshaw, all the Atari guys, all the Genesis guys, they wanted to talk. Yeah. So, I was just in the business of, does this game have a story? So, like, um, I'm working on the shooter book now. Um, I'm f- almost finished with the, sp- with the sports book. I'm working on the shooter book now. And um, I'm talking to one of the developers that did 50 Cent uh, Bulletproof.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh.
0: <laughs> but he was like, Pat, he's like, don't have much of a story. He's like, doesn't have that good of a dev story. He's like, it's going to yeah. be boring. Nobody's going to like it. So, I'm like, okay. You okay. know? so I'll ask some background. Will you are you sure like it's not that interesting? And then he's telling me he's like, Yeah, it's just like nothing
1: there wasn't work. any any tales of fifty cent coming in and saying, I want everything to nope. be in gold. Yeah, he
0: didn't hold <laughs> he didn't hold up anybody with a gun or anything like that. So sometimes that happens too. Sometimes yeah. somebody will tell me a story and I'll go, Yeah, nobody cares. Like this isn't gonna be interesting. So yeah. I, I don't think there's like one and I'm not saying this to be you know narcissistic or anything but I, I don't think there's like one crappy chapter in the book. I think there's like something that, there are always
1: pieces of information so that you can take out of it and it's just mm-hmm. something that it's good that it's preserved for posterity.
0: Absolutely so it's like I wanted this book to be something for like us like 20 and 30 somethings that are game players that wanted to look at their look at these games in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be a resource for young developers to see like what it takes to be a game developer because by learning about what all these guys had to go through. And then three, I, I wanted it to be something that was, like, good at an entry level for people that had no interest in games. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And, and anyone that doesn't have an interest could access it and tell a story and mm-hmm. be able to be enthralled by mm-hmm. the story. And
0: I'm a college professor, but I feel like I, I'm a journalist first and foremost, and I, I don't write in a style where, where people will have a problem following yeah. me. Yeah. So I want, like, my nephew's 10, and he's read most of the book. Awesome. Yeah. That's the per- and it's not written for a 10-year-old. I think it's written more for, like, a high school kid, mm-hmm. like at the least you know yeah. but he he read along and he was like oh you know i want to try et now I'm like that's oh, awesome good. Yeah.
1: that's awesome so with that Aww, poor kid man <laughs> trying I know. ET? I know. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh let's take a quick break um and we're going to come back with patrick um where he's going to answer a few more questions on the games that he talks about in the minds behind the games So we're back, and again, we're talking with Patrick Hickey Jr. He is the author of The Minds Behind the Games, and he's just already given us, he's regaled us with his <laughs> narrative uh, glories. Uh, and so we're going to get back into it. Let me ask you, Patrick, was there a particular developer that you really wanted to get on, but you couldn't get Or haven't
2: been able to yet?
0: Um, there's a lot of them. Um, there's my 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 one white whale, and I his name escapes me right now. It's terrible. And you guys, are he's
1: such a white right. whale that you don't even remember his name.
0: Uh, <laughs> <ever>. no, <right. laughs> like, it like I literally, like I just literally had it in my head, but he did rad racer on NES. Okay.
1: Rad racer. Huh. And,
0: uh, but he also, he also did final fantasy three. Oh, awesome. You know, oh, uh, but he's, he's off the grid. Like you, he's not a
1: Japanese co- developer.
0: Um, no. Okay. Not, but he worked for those companies. Yeah. So uh, it'll come to me.
1: Was it the programmer that did a lot of the programming Love, for those uh, games? Designer. Yeah. You know, yeah. 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 Um, any other ones? I know that you were trying Adam to McNeil get.
0: I really wanted uh, also to um, for the adventure book, I wanted to do um, Dungeon Dragons Heroes because I just I, I enjoyed the crap out of that game. Yeah. And Brenda Brenda Romero did it. John okay. Romero's wife.
1: Yeah. And they're working now on some stuff, and they're so they're going to they're about to they're about to release a new game. So maybe yeah. you know now so for their publicity the... that might be a good way to get it.
0: <laughs> yeah. She uh she was supposed to give me answers and then she never did. Oh, that's. Gotcha. And that kind of hurt. Yeah. But then... Uh,
1: we, we've already reached out to some people that they said yes, <laughs> and then they just completely dropped off. Yeah. And it always feels, like, personal, even though it's not. Yeah, it's not, it's not. It's yeah. never personal, but you're like, well, fuck you too, then. Was like,
0: uh, <laughs> another one that kind of... Ag- I don't want to say it aggravated me. Yeah. It did say aggravate, so we'll, we'll just stick with that. I yeah. don't want to. But um, I wanted Disney Infinity in the... Uh, adventure game book and i got the producer yeah and one of the level designers and uh the level designer actually did links to 2004 on xbox which is the only microsoft xbox exclusive golf game and it's like one of the best-selling pc golf games of all time it's a great golf game i remember it yeah yeah uh, that's what microsoft
1: was actually doing sports games they had the nfl fever Mm -hmm. and they had the nba Insight drive and stuff Yeah, Yeah, yeah those
0: are mentioned in the sports book too Yeah, yeah, yeah so but um he gave me a great chapter on links, but then he never spoke to me about Disney infinity. Oh, and then gotcha. the producer from Disney infinity confirmed with me like three or four times. And then it's like, I, have to, I have to annoy the living shit out of these people. Yeah. Like, like, I,
1: sometimes it's annoying. I mean, you don't want to be the nagger. That's yeah. like, nah, Hey no guys, yeah. I have no problem. being
2: Yeah. The nagger. Uh, I, I This is something that I wanted to ask you about as well because I know a lot of the people that you've talked to, as we've already discussed, are no longer in the industry Mm -hmm. and so, you know, are more free to talk about some of this stuff.
0: At the same time though too, some of them don't want to talk. So like um, for the shooter book, I wanted to get Dan Gorlin who Mm -hmm. did Choplifter.
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: And he's like, yeah, I don't do interviews on Choplifter anymore. And I'm like – how could you not do into when that is
1: what you're most known for, <laughs> essentially? Yeah,
0: so he's in, he's doing like African, um, like drum band stuff, okay, now, <laughs> okay. and that's what he's into, yeah, and he's super good at, good at it and stuff. But my whole thing is like Choplifter, like, we gotta like, talk
2: about
1: Choplifter, we wouldn't have
0: Desert Strike and
2: Jungle Strike. We that. wouldn't have that without, that. but what without I wanted chop-lifter. to ask was the people who are still in, you know, sort of in it, especially at major studios, have you ever had any issues with studios?
0: not wanting them to talk about specific so games you, and, and tell you a great story so like um, for the adventure book i caught some flack for putting Parappa the rapper in the adventure book and the reason why i did is because it's it's a rhythm game but it's driven by its story yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's an adventure through like rhythm game mechanics yeah so um i got perry rogers the producer and I got Rodney Greenblatt who did the character design mm. and I had enough to write a decent chapter, but then I'm like, I need Messiah Masora. Yeah. The guy that, like, from like,
1: Nanao and Shah, Essentially. Yeah, yeah. I needed
0: him. No. Yeah. To, to, so I would have all three voices and it would be perfect. And he goes, I'm not doing it unless Sony gives the approval. Yeah. So, oh, wow. So I'm like, Oh, so he's like, just be patient. So I'm like, okay. So like a week goes by and then Sony goes, well, what are you, what are you planning to do? So I tell them and, um, I send them what I have so far, and they're like, just like one sentence back, what pictures are you using? So, I sent them like the stuff that I knew that I could use, like box art yeah. and yeah. like screenshots that I curated myself and stuff, and they're like, no, we're going to send you higher res photos. And they're like, does he need to sign a release? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, can we see the release? I'm like, sure. They're like, yeah, no problem. So, Sony totally put oh, their stamp yeah. approval on awesome. it. Yeah. Um, for my uh, shooter book, I just confirmed the first Gears of War. Yeah. And, like, along the same lines. Like, the guy that I spoke to from Epic is just like, yeah. Like, I see what you're doing. I see you're doing the right thing. This is what you want to do. Go ahead. Go kick ass. Yeah. You know? So, a lot of them have been... And I'm, I'm talking to Activision right now. Because mm-hmm. I'd really love to have a Call of Duty game in the shooter book. Cause yeah. I, think,
1: I mean, you absolutely need it. Sure, yeah. I mean, But it- the
0: thing is, it's the same thing. It's Dustin going into that Russian, you know prison in the mall and stranger things. It's like, how many interviews does the call, does the call of duty team do? They don't do a lot of interviews. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah, yeah. this is the thing too. Well, what about for getting a- the cool.
1: guys from, you know, let's say uh, respawn games uh, who are EA now, mm-hmm. you know, they're the ones that know about call of duty. They mm-hmm. did modern warfare and they did call of duty up to modern warfare too. It's so, hard. Or it's even hard. the,
0: cause the thing is too the turnaround, some of these guys, they bounce around companies. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah. talking to one of the level designers for Metroid prime too right now
1: and he's oh not, that would be awesome
0: he's not at nintendo anymore yeah so and he's just like what are you doing like what do you want to do and i t- and i told him and he hasn't answered me yet but it's like the thought of like he's at another company now but he could go back to nintendo yeah
1: yeah, yeah so they, you don't want to burn the bridges mm-hmm. so yeah. it's very difficult and the thing, to thing is though too
0: like you've read some of the chapters like i'm not looking for these guys to flame anybody no no I, no, no but no. i just want it's all I want very the, positive i want the truth yeah like if yeah, that's some that, that's
1: something that struck me as you mentioned it, Paul. It, the book has a very positive tone. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. even when you're talking about crunch or you're talking about the difficulties of development, mm-hmm. it's still very positive. Because the
0: thing is, it's like if you want to if you want to listen to somebody trash a game, just go on YouTube.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there so are off. there are enough YouTube I'm channels. Also, to do that. I'm so yeah.
0: sick of it. You know, so it's like I wanted to present something.
1: So let me ask you: if you had to boil it down to one, mm-hmm. what was the most surprising bit of information you learned where you were like? double take like whoa <laughs> did i just hear that <laughs>
0: so. Um, so i think there's i think there's information in the sports book that people are going to be completely shocked that people don't even know like um when it when some of this information was told to me i was just like i was completely floored completely floored but then um for the first book i would say the stuff in the night Trap chapter yeah yeah because like i had no idea that night trap was filmed in like 1985 yeah. It didn't come out until, like, 1992,
1: 1993. Mm-hmm.
0: And they repurposed it. And they repurposed it. Like, yeah. I, I had no idea that um, the console that it was originally supposed to be based on was a VHS-based system, the Project Nemo, and that Hasbro created it.
1: Yeah, kind of uh, like a Dragon Slayer-type things that they were going yeah. for, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: And um, I had no idea about a lot of that stuff. But then um, that Rob Phillips' girlfriend left him because of the game. And that... Yeah. Um, The whole reason why he created Cats and Dogs Mm -hmm. was to change his image because, I mean, up until that point, before Night Trap, he's the guy that everyone knew for Missile Command. Yeah. Missile Command is one of the greatest Atari 2600 games of all time. Yeah. So, then he gets attached to Night Trap and now his name is, like, somewhat tarnished. Yeah. And now... He's like, screw it. If I'm going to be known for the most controversial game of all time, I'm going to make the cutest game of all time. And then Cats and Dogs goes and sells like 40 million units. (laughs) So it's just like one guy's like redemption story. That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, that's awesome. That to me. And I remember when I confirmed Night Trap and I put it on the Facebook page, like, oh, Night Trap confirmed people like, why? Nobody cares, blah, blah, blah. And now it's
1: like, well, you're going to care.
0: But now the book's been yeah. out for like a year, like for like 16 months now. And universally, like everyone tells see, me I, that's the chapter they like the most. I, I, I love is. that. I, yeah. I
1: love that, that, you know, there has been kind of like a rehabilitation of Night Trap mm-hmm. over the past two years. Limited Run Games released it. They had the, well, see, the remastered That one. was the
0: thing too. Yeah. So I'm writing the chapter... Yeah. And my manuscript is due in, like, two weeks. So, now yeah. I already told you guys, Mark Turmel is holding me up.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, The guy from Doom has, like, disappeared. And then they they announced the limited run remaster of Night Trap. Yeah. yeah. So, now I'm doing those two things with NBA Jam and Doom. And now I contact the screaming villains who did the remaster. Yeah. And then I interview them for the book. Yeah. Because I wanted to get it in. Because Yeah you
1: feel like that has to be the that, that story that's part of the, the story you know? yep. and yeah. then
0: they told me that it's in the chapter that they had to recode Night Trap from scratch because the original source code didn't exist Yeah, yeah. so that's a brand it, it is Night Trap but it's a brand new version of Night Trap
1: exactly so and and you know it's the part that I am most interested in kind of like the rehabilitation of these sure. games is mm-hmm. kind of reframing the narrative around this game sure. which is something mm-hmm. that you're doing with E.T. for example mm-hmm. and I think that it's really necessary I, I love that you're talking about games like Road Rash, you mm-hmm. know, games that you know players have a lot of fun memories of, but they're not necessarily talked about nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yep, and maybe even these games could get a sequel because of the you know, re, re, you know, regain popularity, sure. through the book or That's through hope, other mediums. You yeah, know?
0: and it's like I feel like um, the book's done well, it sold well, mm-hmm. but um, I really feel that like once book two, three, four come out, people are gonna go, Oh, this is another book in the series, dah, yeah. dah, dah, dah. and I feel like 20 years from now people are going to go, oh, that guy was on to something.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know? um, so was there a chapter, was there a game in particular that you feel like you hold very close to your heart that you were very fond of and you were like, this this chapter is the one that I am most proud of, like yeah. is the one that I really, really feel it's, good So, it's
0: uh, Let me just look at the chapter list really quick because there's a ton of them, but I'll just give you like one or two. Yeah. Um, I would definitely say um, the NHLPA 93 chapter. Mm -hmm. Because that was like the first hockey game that I actively like fell in love with. I love that game. And then uh, Wasteland because I love the Fallout series. Yeah. And And
1: Brian Fargo has been very open about he has experience with mm -hmm. with Wasteland. So, so.
0: and I'll tell you guys, it was like, it was Christmas Eve.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm wrapping gifts and I'm sending out pitches.
1: Yeah.
0: And um, I'm just like, you know how cool it would be to get Wasteland in this book. So, then I just go online and I find Brian Fargo's Facebook page. Yeah and I message him and he literally messaged me back like 15 minutes later and he's like I'm Christmas shopping right now but I just wanted I wanted to let you know that I'm totally down to do this yeah yeah,
1: yeah. And, and it's was, and it's so like, cool because he's, oh he's my god he's 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 a guy that basically already Established his career, mm-hmm. he's a legend in the industry. Yeah, yeah. he doesn't have to work anymore, yep. and he's just willing to just put it out there. Yeah, I, I love the fact that Brian has really come upon a bunch of podcasts, and he started doing a lot of interviews because his whole time at Interplay, everything yep. you know that happened during that time period, he's just putting it out there. It's to, so funny to be too, preserved.
0: because so many people would kill, so many developers would kill just to have Bard's Tale on there. You yeah, know what I
1: mean? yeah, then yeah.
0: He has Bard's Tale, and he has Wasteland.
1: Yep. So yeah, yeah, like- yeah. Well, I mean, he's the guy that greenlit, you know, the Fallout and yeah. all the, yep. the different uh, d d games that came out during that time with Bioware, etc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the yeah. Black yeah. Isle games. Yeah, it's it's absolutely amazing, yeah. you know. So, he's a guy that, you know, he, even now with a Kickstarter for Wasteland 2, they're mm-hmm. coming out with Wasteland 3. And um, I loved Wasteland you know, and, and And Exile Entertainment, which is the company he mm-hmm. founded after Interplay. You know, they just got bought by Microsoft. Yep. So now you're going to get, you know, the backing of a Microsoft to do your games. I mean, hopefully (laughs) they're not, they don't get like the rare, they don't get like the rare experience, you know, and they get more of like. But even the name of this
0: company, like in exile, because he acknowledged the fact that like he was in exile. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and it's it's good to get developers like this to open up about their memories and sure. about their past. And so, um, was there a game, you know, beyond, beyond Night Trap, which you mentioned that maybe you didn't appreciate before, but, you know, after doing so, you were like, you know what, Voodoo Vince is actually a pretty awesome game.
0: Um, um, I just want to say for the record, I love Voodoo Vince. Uh, <laughs> I, a
1: lot of people love it. We were talking about this yesterday. That's a game that came out during the waning years of the yeah. platformer and mm-hmm. the character-based platformer. And the fact that it got a remaster tells you a well, lot about it. wasn't it.
0: backwards compatible either. That's yeah. Say, yeah. Because of the code. But um, I would say um, two games that I really like grew appreciation for. Um, Gabriel Knight, Sins of the Fathers. Yeah. I think it's just an amazing... So that was the sequel, right? Or was that uh, the original no, I'm one? i sure that's the first one. That's yeah. the first one. I because you had was... three games. Mm-hmm. You know, you had the first
1: one. That the first one was the one that was character sprites and then the second one was fmv based the second and then the leather. third one was 3d which has an age as well because of the polygon oh, graphics yeah, yeah. etc so yeah. since of the father it's a very cool storyline it's it's I a very different story. feel and the thing
0: know? is because jane jensen's a novelist yeah So yeah. it's like you have a novel type story mm-hmm. in this game but then the voice acting you have leia Remney, tim curry mark hamill yeah
1: And you have it a was a, it was a great time because you had all this character Michael actors Doran. All these character actors that we're just like, sure, this is the future. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna do this for this video game, and like mm-hmm. Tim Curry shows up in a bunch of games, or you have
0: Tim Cur- Tim Curry with the Louisiana, yeah, <laughs> <which,
1: like, never laughs> So, so you game. have Gabriel Nye, like the Tex uh, Tex Avery, or what's was yeah, I think Tex Avery uh, games. Um, and you have other games like who was this guy? The guy that played Doc. Uh, you know in back to the future he oh, christopher had Lloyd. Oh, christopher Lloyd. Yeah. he was on toonstruck you yeah. know it was just uh-huh. people like to shed on fmv games nowadays but some of them are really good but yeah. Yeah, some of them are really good yeah. and some of them have really good stories mm-hmm. and they really deserve to be revisited absolutely um so gabriel knight was there anything there that you were just like really you know interested in getting to know more t- about
0: they uh, so jane jensen met her husband through that game oh yeah he, really? he did the music oh awesome. wow so that was one cool part of the story but then too there was like a problem coding like the voiceover work and they mm. almost lost it all
2: oh wow so you
0: admit that's like one of the most redeeming qualities of the game yeah. they almost lost it um i was just i love the story i love the cover art to that game like there's a guy <laughs> getting hung yeah like that would never get done no. now. Um, yeah absolutely another game um the fireman
1: the oh, the fireman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: that was one of the other Japanese developers that yeah. I got. And the thing is, he's not even in video games anymore. He gives mountain tours in Canada.
1: Wow. Oh, wow. wow, wow. So, it was a Japanese developer yeah. then, and he yeah. relocated to Canada? And he
0: relocated to Canada. So,
1: were you able to speak to him in English, or was yeah. it... Yeah. yeah. okay. Yeah. And okay. He's,
0: he's, he's freaking great. He took a picture of... He bought my book, and he was holding it, like, with the mountains in the background and stuff like that. <laughs> like, yeah. Whenever I'm having, like, a shitty day, and it's, like, raining, I just look through those pictures. Like, the yeah. other day, um... I was really tired. I taught four classes and I came home and my daughter didn't want to go to sleep and stuff and then my wife fell asleep so I'm like kind of up all by myself and I'm like, I have to write the Years of War chapter yeah. today. I need to get it done today. Yeah. And I just started looking through my pictures and I found a picture of David Crane and Gary Kitchen holding a copy of Buenas Blob and my book and it's like, you know, thanks for keeping history alive and I ended up staying up like three more hours and making yeah. that chapter. It,
1: it really gives you that extra bit of fuel, you know? Yeah. Even when you're at your absolute lowest, you just say, I'm doing something good. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm doing something that's going to matter. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the fireman is interesting because uh, we have a friend of the podcast, Rick. uh, He goes by Ash Event, and he's a firefighter. And he's, I think, the only person that has tried to collect every single firefighter mm-hmm. game out there. <laughs> <laughs> There's not that many. Yeah. It's like Roscoe McQueen, you yeah. know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, well, there. So yeah, but the fireman is really good because that was one of the first fireman games, you know, on a console. And, and the so... fire
0: is actually like a, a fucking character in, in the, the game. game yeah, man. and it
1: kind of set the stage for a lot of other firefighter games of exactly what were the rules and what we yep. could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was interesting because that's not a game you hear a lot about. No,
0: nope, because they never came. out. It States.
1: never came out in the United States, but yeah. it has a cult following yep. in the United That's States. That's
0: one even. of the reasons why I wanted it in the book, because a cult l- following.
1: And a lot of people first played these games through emulators. Yep. You know, that was mm-hmm. how they, because they were like, oh, I didn't know this existed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yep. So, so, it's it's interesting. Um, were there any strange requests that you got from, you know, be, besides like shoplifter, you know, telling you, I can't talk about shoplifter. <laughs> were there any other strange requests that you got from developers that were like, uh, I don't want to talk about this part. You know, it's like, I, I broke up with my girlfriend around that time. So I don't want to mention any of that.
0: Um, not really. I mean, I will say that like, uh, one developer, um, <laughs> I sent him questions and, uh, I won't reveal his name. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's fine. Yeah, it's we like we don't, we don't want you to I shit like on to anybody here. Some of them, but, um. I sent him questions, and then he says to me, um, "You know, Pat, from from the sound of these questions, it doesn't sound like you knew what it was like to be a developer in 1987."
3: <laughs> and I'm just but like, that's "The point?"
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so then I'm like, "Yes, that's the point. I was four. Like, I, I think people would be interested." I knew a lot me. about baseball, but I didn't know about <laughs> yeah. being a game developer. So I was just like, "Holy crap! Like, do you understand like why I'm trying to talk?" But then he kind of got it, and then he. Um, he asked me um, if, uh, because he was contributing to the, to the what's it called, to the to the book, if he was going to get mm. a free copy. And I said, it's not up to me, it's up to my publisher. Sure, and yeah. I ended up arranging for, like, 95% of the people to get free copies yeah. of the book. But I had to bust my publisher's chops. Because, you know, nobody wants to give away free products and stuff like yep. that. But um, away from that, you know, no, no not, really. not I'm, a gonna, big look, I'm just looking through and... Uh, oh, I'll tell you guys a fun story. <laughs> so, um, I interviewed Matt Thorson for the book. And if you know Matt Thorson, is, he did Celeste. Yep. Okay. So, I love Celeste.
1: Celeste is it's a great game. game. One but of he the... did
0: Towerful. Yeah. yeah. And Towerful is an amazing game yeah. too. Yeah. So, he gave me some great stuff for Towerful. I love that chapter. But then what happened was um, he was working on Celeste at the same time that he was answering me. Yeah. And um, he just like went radio silence on me. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, Matt, I need the release. I need you to sign the release so I could put you in the book. Yeah. Because here, and the thing is, after I finish a chapter, I always let them read it. Yeah. Because I want to make sure we're on the same page and that it's something that they believe in. Because I want them to promote it. I want them to say, I'm in this book. I believe in this book. I believe in this vision and stuff like that. And um, that's why I try and get them copies of the book, take a picture with it. Like it's branding. Yeah. 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 yeah,
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And um, he just disappeared. Yeah. So now I'm like, oh my God. If I don't get powerful in this book, I'm gonna be pissed, yeah, yeah. so it's like I messaged him on Steam. I messaged him on LinkedIn. I messaged him on Facebook. I messaged him on Twitter. yeah, I messaged him on Instagram. like we're talking like five to ten times on each of and them. And this was already
1: yeah. after you had gotten the interview and everything and he wrote you had already it, written and the it chapter and, and he approved
0: yeah. it and yeah. He- and it was like a week before the book was supposed to come out. And I'm already dealing with Mark Termel, yeah. dealing with Doom, I'm dealing with the other stuff that I told you about. And I'm just like. Yeah,
1: I noticed some gray hairs here. You know, I think those. <laughs> that's the Mark Termel hair. Uh-huh.
0: Over yep. there. Oh, my God. And, and then he finally he sent it back to me. And that was just like, it taught me a big lesson because now, like, if you look really quick, I know you don't want me to move stuff on the table. Yeah. But, like, um, see, chapters finished. If they're bold, that yeah. means that, like, they're complete. So, like, see, um, release is completed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So
0: like the sports book isn't finished yet, but see like release is given to you, everyone's answered already. Yeah. Yeah. So like I learned so many freaking lessons from the first book. Like, yeah. Well you kind of have to take
1: your licks. You have. You have take to take your licks.
0: But then like as soon as like you interview them, write the chapter as quickly as possible, so you yeah. don't see that you- they see that you're not fucking around. Yeah. And yep. they go, oh my god, this guy is working his ass off. Then you're like, I need the release. Yeah. Right away. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so it's now. The so
1: that
2: the ball is on their side
0: already. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, is
0: there
2: um. A- in your experience, I know you you talked a little bit about how, how you've also worked with indie developers and mm-hmm. interviewing them and stuff like that. Is it is there a particular sort of is it easier to get interviews now with indie developers than it is with these older developers that maybe they they aren't as used to, you know, talking to people about stuff like That's this? That's a great question.
0: You're awesome. Um, <laughs> one of the issues that I would say that I've run into repeatedly with some of these older developers yeah. or no one's going to care. Yeah. Yeah. And then I go, oh man, bro, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, like are you kidding me? Like <laughs> I saw had, yourself a little bit more. I, I basically had to like verbally back rub some of these guys
2: Yeah, you
1: know,
0: where it was like, dude, you sold like 6 million games.
2: Yeah.
1: Like
0: people, like totally, people care. People, people still talk like, yeah. about this, you know? And they'll be like, really? Like, are you sure? I'm like, yes. Yes,
1: because I've been talking to my therapist for a long time because I feel worthless. Well, it's, it's like, well, it's I have so, a cure for I'm you. Telling
0: you I'm, I'm, things to that nature, where it's just yeah. like they're like, well, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't sure that anybody really cared about. Well, that anymore. it's it's
2: crazy. I feel like because we're all in this hobby in this community, mm-hmm. it feels insane sometimes that you know you talk to somebody who clearly like hasn't kept up with it, mm-hmm. like doesn't, you know, it's not part of their life. So they're like, oh, I guess this is a thing that happened, and it's. You sort of look back and you're like, dude, this is like Yeah part of this whole oh, thing. Yeah. Like there's millions of people across this country that, you know, go to these conventions, make these YouTube videos, these podcasts, write these books, like and it's it's crazy to think like some of these people don't realize Absolutely. Like, how big it is now. It's
0: funny to me because it's like um I come across different types of people that read these that that read my books mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And um I go to a lot of tournaments and stuff, and I'll hear people talk and I'll go that's not one of my readers. Yeah. Or that is one of my readers. So, like, mm-hmm. um, I was at a convention, like, last year, and they were having an NHL 94 tournament. Yeah. And these two kids are playing... And this one kid's like, "Why can't I get in a fight in this game?" I remember fighting in this game, and the other kid is just like, "You're an idiot. There is no fighting in this game." In '93, (laughs) there's fighting and blood. There's no fighting in this game. They took it out. And I'm like, "That's my reader. Yeah, yeah. That guy's not.
2: Yeah, you know, exactly. So you want to make that guy your reader? Like that's why. But I think that's why the sometimes you don't. Sometimes
0: they don't want it. Yeah, And that's the thing. Some.
1: That's another difficulty that you touch upon, which is that many younger generations are just not interested in reading they and they just it. wanna see it on YouTube. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, digest it for me, shoe it and digest it and then present it to me in a pretty format mm-hmm. with a lot of pictures, a lot of colors, a lot of video, and maybe give a loud voice here and there because I wanna I wanna hear you really yell and scream at the mic. Um, <laughs> it's the truth. And it's <laughs> it's unfortunate and that's yeah. it's kind of an uphill battle. And 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 it's People kind of like a very a thankless job in a a way.
0: And people go to me, they're like, Pat, why aren't you on YouTube? You know, you could do some voices, you could do this, you could do that. And I'm like, cause I don't want to be like, Mm -hmm. I have like videos and stuff that I put on YouTube on my site and I do some gameplay videos, but I never put myself in the corner and stuff. I'll just talk about the game for a couple of minutes and da da da. But it's just like, that's not what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and it's always a
1: cost benefit analysis. The same reason why we don't do YouTube. It's kind of like, how much could I put into this, you know but how much will i have to expend on it mm-hmm. um, and, and you it's don't it's is it worth it yeah, exactly. you know and you don't want to damage your your brand you don't want to damage your reputation sure. yeah. and so you don't want to put something half assed out there so you know for a lot of people youtube is their main platform and they're dedicated to that yeah. and you know god bless them they they do you know their work and they're professional one about it one so. day
0: youtube is not going to exist
1: yeah. and that's the difficult part about it that uh-huh. that's the part that worries me because yeah. youtube is a video format mm-hmm it's more difficult to preserve a video because a video, you need something to play it back. Mm-hmm. The only thing you need for a book is to print it. Yep. And when you print it, we're still finding things out from 2000 years ago. Yeah, You know, I, I always think about the alien civilization that's going to come and join us and they're going to see this disc <laughs> and it has all the knowledge in the world, but they don't have a DVD player. Well, see,
0: that's the too. <laughs> when I was doing the night trap chapter, Rob Phillips said something to me that the video game industry's biggest issue is that it's constantly obsoleting itself. Absolutely. And he uh, said that, like, the sad thing is that in order for his kids to play his games, the way mm-hmm. that they're originally made to play requires so much energy that by the time you get to that point, they're not going to want to play it. Yeah. I mean,
1: something like this change from CRT to LCD TVs, et cetera, yeah. and to plasma TVs. Mm-hmm. I mean, at that point, like on games already obsolete there's no way to play them unless you have an old tv that they're constantly being thrown out into the curbside Yep. yeah and and it's a it's a real problem it's a real problem let's let's shift gears a little bit what is when you talk to the developers you know maybe they were not involved already in the game industry and you thought man i really want to see another game from this person i i really would like to see something else like for example with michael meinheim He worked on the Mutant Football League, Mm -hmm. and that was kind of like his Mulligan, essentially. Yeah. Um, But were there any other? It was more
0: like not even his Mulligan. It was more like his "fuck you." Yeah, Yeah. Because like Mulligan insists that like you might want to take it back. Yeah. He he totally believed in mutant. Oh,
1: absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Maybe it was a port. It was a award. But I was just saying, it was it was his way of going back into the well. I haven't played the new it's one. It's so good. Yeah. It's Blitz.
0: Yeah. It's Blitz with, like, those crazy characters. Yeah, yeah. And with, like, I mean... You're- but you
1: know what it's missing? It's missing a Patrick Hickey voiceover. That would be So awesome.
0: that would be pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually know two people from another podcast that, like, they befriended um, Menheim, and they, they mm. were made, like, grunts in the game. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. So they love that. Oh, lineup. wow.
1: But what other developer? I mean, the one that you were thinking, mm-hmm. I mean, you're not in the video games industry right now, but there are so many great ideas. There are so many great things that you could do that you're, they're just not being done, because that's always a part that we frequently talk about it here on the podcast, particularly with Japanese developers, that there might have been great developers that just disappeared. Oh yeah. And and for example, like the the person that did Castlevania, he was talked of as like this genius and he just disappeared from the face of the Mm -hmm. earth after like nineteen ninety two. And you think about what could this have what could these developers have done if they had stayed in it? So, so, so let me ask you, what what was the one that you would have most wanted to
0: see? You're, you're awesome too. <laughs> um, so, Richard Rouse, uh, the guy that did The Suffering, okay, he was working on uh, Church in the Darkness. Okay, as as I was interviewing him for The Suffering, and Church of the Darkness just came out on Switch. It's really yeah. cool. It's like being stuck inside of a cult and trying to escape. It's really, okay. really cool, like Jonestown, Jonestown, yeah. or whatever. It's really yeah. cool. So I was happy that that came out. Um, but. So, I'm gonna, I, I don't think I've ever said this before, but um, Howard Scott Warshaw, I think, was completely ahead of his time. Yeah. I think, like, the concepts that he tried to create in, like, Yara's, E.T., Raiders, mm-hmm. um, the Atari 2600 software just wasn't capable yeah. of pulling off any yeah. of the things that were in his brain. Yeah. And um, I think now, if he used some of those wild-ass ideas in his head with, like, today's technology, he would be able to do something amazing.
1: Yeah. But there's also the element of some of these people that have not been in video games for a long time. You know, are they able to adapt yeah. to this well, new see, that's setting? The thing too. Yeah. And that's the difficulty. And they may feel some intimidation to get yeah. back into it. They say, I don't know what these kids nowadays are doing, you know, and I don't know if I'm capable of leading it. One of the things, for example, that I was talking with Arnie about yesterday is, you know, Warren Spector. Don't, who,
0: don't lie, you don't talk to Arnie.
1: I, we actually, <laughs> we do not speak. We, we've <laughs> been
0: entirely silent this, this whole time.
1: Um, you know, Warren I Spector, Warren who you Spector. who you interviewed, he's someone that's also very much into the preservation aspect. Yeah. He's, a, he's a U, you know University of Texas and yeah. he's doing lectures, etc. Um, And they're, you know, Texas is doing great things with gaming. They're trying to preserve history. But, you know, he... So you're yeah, and he worked on Underworld yeah. Ascendant. And mm-hmm. Underworld Ascendant wasn't Kickstarter. It got terrible reviews because it was so glitchy. Yeah. It was so buggy. You know, and it makes you wonder, you know, are these developers able to keep up with the times? Or it's just, mm-hmm. just do they have the the culture that it's now required in order to manage social art so this- Because when they were involved. They may have been managing a 20-person team. Now you they're know.
0: managing 500. Yeah, so exactly. Think of it this way. It's like um, video. being a video game developer is no different from being uh, an artist, being mm-hmm. a musician.
3: Yeah. So
0: when you think of great musicians or being a professional wrestler, when you think of like uh, Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm.
2: the wrestler
0: yeah. Yeah. in the 80s, right? Ripping his shirt off yellow yeah, exactly. and red tights, blah, 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 you know, all of a sudden... Late eighties, early nineties, nobody wants to see Hulk Hogan as a good guy anymore. Yeah. So he yeah. kind of goes off. He's in a couple of crappy films and stuff. And then he comes back and now he's Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Now he's a band. And now he's a, now he's a heel. Yeah. 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 And then he totally reinvented himself. Yeah. Then after that wore out, then he was away for a little while. Then he came back to the WWE. And then he was like a combination of like both for a little while. Yeah. So he he ended up being able to adapt. Michael Jackson, away from the kid touching, um, was a great musician. Yeah. The king of rock, pop, and soul. Yeah. You know, you listen to Every one of his songs is almost like a different genre. Yeah. So, the thing is, for a video game developer, I can... I mean, I can think of, like, a couple that have been able to transcend the industry. Yeah. But several of them were only good on one console. Yeah. yeah. Or you know? one genre. Or, yeah. You know. So, like, um, I'll give you guys an example. Um, Tony Barnes. Mm. So you guys probably don't even know who he is. Um, he worked on the Desert Strike games. Yeah. Um. He worked on, uh, he was the lead designer of Buffy the Vampire Slayer on hmm. Xbox. Yeah. Um, what else did he do? He was
1: that now by the Collective, I think? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah California based team, Super I think. Super
0: talented yeah. guy. Um, he did Medal of Honor on PS3. Yeah, oh, the, yeah. So, but like, and he worked in the industry like 10 years before Desert Strike. Yeah. So it's like he's been in the video game industry for and 40 years. And yeah. he's been able to adapt. And he's been able to adapt himself sell and millions of copies.
1: We, we talked a lot about this on the Technosoft episode because Technosoft, they knew how to do great shooters in 2D. Yeah and then they were forced to adapt to a 3D era mm-hmm. and so many developers got killed you know in that transition yeah. so
0: many developers were actually learning 3D as they went along yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so it's like in the adventure book it's um, like being
1: forced to learn a new language every single time mm-hmm. you know and even being forced to learn a new set of skills every single time
0: we'll see and then this is the thing too we'll take it to the next level after after this is like um, Die Hard Trilogy on yeah. PS1 great, they were great. learning 3D
1: <laughs> and it was a fantastic I love that game yeah, it's not a it, great game but it's a, demos
0: yes, put into one that worked ex-
1: great exactly yeah. so they were just like well you know we're just going to cover all our bases we're going to give you a shooter we're going to give you an adventure game <laughs> or we're going to give you a driving yep. game and it worked great I, I love it. And so, that's the reason why people remember it. The
0: chapter you all love the chapter. Then when it comes <laughs> out, um, what was the other thing that I wanted to say?
1: And you also had the chapter on right. Fighting Force, which oh, which started out being that. a Streets of Rage yeah. 3D game, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and everyone talks about wanting a Streets of Rage revival. And now Lizard Cube, who worked on Wonder Boy, mm-hmm. the the oh, remake, also interviewed. yeah, yeah they crazy. they're they're now working on Streets of Rage 4, uh-huh. and. You know, it's it's good to know, and it's kind of general knowledge that that started out as a Streets of Rage game. But it was good to get to know more about the process, mm-hmm. et cetera, and how those, that team eventually went on. It was core digital, um, and they worked on Tomb Raider, and they had great yeah. success with Tomb Raider, et cetera. Yeah.
0: Um, so, a lot of... And before that, they were just doing, like, flight sims. Exactly. And then they used that engine, that graphical engine, in Fighting Force. That's why it looks like the characters aren't exactly, like, on the floor. On the when yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah,
0: but a, a lot like of the Kevin Bacon of video game history. <laughs> like, I've done this. This guy. This guy.
1: This you're guy, just everyone's connected by six degrees of Patrick Hickey. Yeah, okay. uh, <laughs> we should just change that uh, whole game up. Um, so, just to kind of close things out a little bit, um, what is a game? Just sticking to your first book, mm-hmm. what is a game that you most want to see a sequel for? in that book I mean it's a Gabriel Knight do you want to see a revival of great Gabriel Knight um, what is a game that if you had to just pick one and they you know, had a genie and he said you're gonna get one sequel for one of these games which one would that be it's Ooh. the fireman the fireman the fireman, be fireman cool. 2
2: electric boogaloo that would be awesome
0: <laughs> um, that's so funny Ooh, that's such a hard question um, I would say either where in the world is Carmen Sandiego oh, oh yeah. Right. yeah
1: we haven't even talked about that one mm-hmm. yeah
0: But not not like the PC style. I would love to see how they would do it on a regular... Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to stick to the same format. Same, different format. Or they wouldn't have to um, stuff uh, encyclopedia in the box for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, I would love to see like a prequel to like Maniac Mansion.
1: Oh, that'd be cool. That would be interesting. Particularly now that Day of the Tentacle has been remade, etc. You know, a prequel to Maniac Mansion would be very interesting. I think Ron uh, Gilbert would probably be interested in doing something like that.
2: I love
0: Ron Gilbert. I love the whole team. And we that's an example of, of a
2: guy in in that whole team, I think, that transitioned. You know, they're still doing Thimbleweed Park, you know, not that long ago released. Yeah. And, I mean, they're still doing that good work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I guess I'm going to kick it back to the other
1: co-hosts. Uh, Paul, what was the game that you would most like to see a sequel to here in the in the book?
3: You know what? It, it <laughs> Before I read the book, it would not have been Night Trap. <laughs> but I think, <laughs> I think now it is because the... Like the process of making it and how it's outlined in the book, I'm I'm super fascinated with it. And now I want to give it another run because, I mean, you know how it was back then with FMV games, like they were all painted with the same brush and mostly mm-hmm. rightfully so. Yeah. You know, you guys have heard me poop on Sewer Shark. <laughs> but now after reading that, I'm like, yeah, I think I want to play Night Trap again. And. I think I want another kind of B-movie-style horror <laughs> FMV game. Which
1: it's it's coming back. I mean, right now, we have the guy that did uh, her story. He's coming out with a, a new FMV game that I forgot the name for, and I also forgot his name, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but I think that FMV games, particularly there's this other game called Last Shift. There's another game called The Bunker. Um, FMV games, there's kind of a niche for them now, particularly because nowadays shooting video is so much more accessible. You can shoot high-quality video for very really yeah. little money. Back in the day, you needed film reel. You needed to actually spend the money unless you were going to go DV, which they didn't. They were not going to go DV. Yeah. And so I think that creates a market where you don't have to create the assets. You could just film people. And so I think FMV games are an untapped um, format for video games. It's an untapped genre that really deserves a second look. And really, to serve someone with a very innovative approach to really take it to the next level, I think this guy that that did her story, I think he's actually on you know on the right track. Yeah. Um. He also worked on on Silent Hill, uh, Shattered Memories, mm-hmm. and so he's a guy that really likes the psychological aspect of where you kind of just sleuth. You know, through a story to try to find the truth, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I agree with you. I think that FMV games deserve a second look. Yeah. Um, Arnie, let me kick it back to you. Uh-huh. I kind of know which one you would want to see a
2: sequel to, but which one's that? Bully. Um, uh, absolutely. Yeah, but I was actually gonna <laughs> say I would love to see Bully Two. Is is that's a dream? Like mm-hmm. I love that game. I think it might be my favorite Rockstar game. I'll tell
0: you guys a quick a quick yeah. story. My wife was in labor,
2: uh-huh.
0: and um. The uh, director of Bully was messaging me on Facebook. Like, oh, dude, I got the answers for you, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of busy right now. (laughs) But, yeah, he's an awesome guy. But that was just like, Bully, I'll always remember that game because of that reason. My wife is getting ready to give birth to our first child, and Mm -hmm. I'm just like... Not thinking about the book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then he just messaged me. I'm like, yes, I got bullied. And then my wife is just like, you know, dilated. You know, it's like, can you
2: please focus on on
1: this
0: right now?
2: Because I'm trying to focus. (laughs) Um, But I was actually going to say Road Rash would be. Road rash. Really, i'd love to see a sequel that's forward. that's mine as well yeah um, that's mine as well I, I know
1: paul is a big fan of road rash so i Dude, I, I know I that he would also road like that i mean right now we got road redemption and yeah. a, f- a, a few other road rash spiritual successors mm-hmm. but i would like to really see road rash get the full ea backing dan
0: geisler is one of my favorite developers in the first book because like he takes no shit from anyone yeah you know? yeah you know he's just He's completely badass.
1: Yeah, and you know? and I think that you know something like Road Rash could very could sell very well nowadays. Yeah. I think that I if heard. it's marketed correctly, I think mm-hmm. that you know I I love the fact that the original Road Rash you can go into like the bar and stuff like that, and there were all these characters yeah. and you could.
0: I've it, been to, it, I just I'm so like pissed off about it because I I still think like for EA they don't want to touch it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. Does not. You know? And EA
1: has its redeeming qualities, they but do. you know, but they they you know any properties that they don't really see a financial gain from i mean they don't really try to explore them um, yeah. but road rush would be a fantastic one same with gabriel knight i mean mm-hmm. when you have someone like jane jensen you know it would be lovely for her to come back and you know even do a kickstarter sure. because for me adventure games are a novel in interactive format sure. and yeah and i think there is a lot of merit to that and that's what Propelled me to games in the first instance because mm-hmm. there was that ex- that extra layer of interaction sure. that you felt you needed. Absolutely. And so something like Gabriel Knight, even just FMV, I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. Um. So, um, what uh, what's next for you, man? Um, I know uh, I know you have uh, other books in the pipeline. So just you know, feel free to so, plug away.
0: So right now I am working on a comic book with a super talented artist, uh, Kieran Quinn. Do you sleep? But no, <laughs> I probably sleep about four hours a day. Because oh, you
1: also wow. have a kid yeah, and, I and you also have parenting duties and a wife.
0: Yeah. And a full-time job. Yep. Yeah. So, um, I actually just got some of the, uh, inks back, um, the other day. So I started lettering and stuff like that. Um, we're working on like a six page, like tease to start pitching out to comic book companies. Yeah. So yeah. it's basically like if Spawn and, um, the Highlander had a baby, it's kind of <laughs> like this, the, the whole concept, like heaven and hell and then like mortality and like, it's pretty wild. Yeah. You know, um, so that there's that. Then I'm working on, I wrote the story for this game called Kroom that is being developed by a uh, company called Orange Door Studios that's based out of uh, Boston, okay. Massachusetts. And this is the,
1: for the Bioshock Infinite uh, yeah, animator, so
0: the, yeah. So the um, the animator and co-designer Pete Paquette has worked on Bioshock Infinite, Madden, Overwatch, League of Legends, like he's yeah. a pro. And then his brother, uh, Jeffrey, is the engineer of the game. Yeah. And the uh, composer. And so it's the three of us making this game. Yeah. Um, so that there's that. And then um, the Minds Behind Adventure Games is coming out uh, this fall. Okay. Probably in a couple of months. It's, yeah. It's been done for like six months. I'm just waiting for them to send me proof so I can give it one more read. Okay. So Minds Behind Adventure Games. Um,
1: so you just to... Mm-hmm. give some you know information to our yeah. listeners it's, it's going to come out on amazon and everything
0: amazon barnes and noble yeah. books a million um the best way to buy the book though is straight through me yeah um one because i make more money that way um <laughs> and i have a kid to feed but then the thing is too like i'm um, sure polk can attest to this like um i put cool stuff in your book you know, yeah. I'll write something in there. Like, yeah. I, I want to have a relationship with my readers. I'm not one of those people. Like, I have I have easily, like, 300 people on my friends list on Facebook that just bought the book that I've yeah. never met in real life. And I yeah. bullshit with them all the time. That's what I want. I want to have that type of uh, relationship with them. So, um, if you go to PatrickHickeyJunior.com, the pre-order link for uh, the Minds Behind Adventure Games is up already. So,
1: yeah.
0: I already started, like, I have a guy that bought my first book from Colorado. Yeah. And he already pre-ordered the second book. So I already have baseball cards to put in his... So what? Baseball.
1: So just give us a, a preview. What are some of the games that we can expect All in the right. Money Behind Adventure games? Are you
0: games? ready for this? Are you sure? Yeah. I'm, I'm
1: ready. I'm All ready. Right. Hit So
0: um, Maximum Carnage, um, nice. Die Hard Trilogy, West of Loathing, um, Double Dragon, Conker's Bad Fur Day, X-Men Legends, Pitfall, Epic Mickey, Grand Theft Auto. Oh, nice. Parappa the Rappa, Keystone Capers, uh, Family Guy... Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Monster Boy in the Cursed Kingdom, Strider, Brock... So that, those are some of the games. Oh, yeah.
1: Strider sounds awesome. So, yeah. you know, and Croc. I mean, were you able to get an interview with... Uh, with uh,
0: Nick Cusworth, the yeah. guy, like the main guy. Awesome,
1: yeah. Yeah. awesome. Um, and Argonaut
0: and, Software, those Argonaut are the creators software. of the FX channel. Yeah, yeah, the FX so there's a whole story Star of Fox. how Croc originated. So if you guys know your video games, yeah, yeah, game? yeah. Game. Game. Yeah. yeah, it was supposed to be a Joshi game. Yoshi game, yeah.
1: It was supposed to be a Joshi game. And then after that, you have two more books that yes. are in the pipeline.
0: So I have, uh, for spring of 2020, I have The Minds Behind the Sports Games mm-hmm. and uh, some of the games that are going to be in... That or Rockstar table tennis.
1: That's my most. I'm most excited about <laughs> I that. Love that
0: game. I'm most excited. I, and I want to say that. Benjamin Johnson, the guy that designed it. Yeah. Uh, he's uh he designs like shirts and art now. He's the eight bit cubist on Twitter. He's awesome. Yeah, um, but S S X.
1: That's um, that's one I would very much look forward to because a yeah. lot of people love SSX and there's nothing out there on SSX.
0: So there's going to be a ton on SSX yeah. after this. Um, Mutant League Hockey, RBI Baseball, the original uh, Lakers versus Celtics in the NBA playoffs, which is the first yeah. ever basketball game EA ever did. Um, the original John Madden Football. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. Ooh. That's Arnie's favorite. Um, WCW NWO Revenge. Orange, yes. Uh, Blitz 2002. Uh, the original NBA Shootout for PlayStation. So it's like that. That's, it's good. It's gonna that's be gonna be good. And then the last one. Alley.
1: Yeah. And then the yeah. last one the is. The last one is
0: a shooter book. And that's the one that I'm the, the least uh, far off on. Yeah. Um, that's going to come out in the spring of. Uh, that's when. Uh, full 2020. Okay. So right now I have like 15 games that are confirmed but that i haven't written yet so the ones that i've written so far i'll mm-hmm. share because anything could happen with yeah, yeah. so um the ones that i have written so far revolution x
1: i, um, I hope you got uh tyler uh Steven Steven tyler, Steven tyler
0: I, wish. <laughs> I wish that would be awesome um, but that dude looks like a lady so um so uh revolution x loaded torok the dinosaur hunter um years uh, awesome. of war river ray 2 And uh, Wolfenstein 3D. That's awesome. awesome. I have a whole bunch of other...
1: Looking forward to the Lotus
0: chapter. So let Um, me ask. I know, like... mm -hmm. I love... I mean... Made my grandmother throw up one time, I remember. (laughs) (laughs) You've got plans
2: till 2020. Like, you've got these four books. Outside of that, like, once this series is done, do you want to keep adding to this? Do you want to go somewhere else with it? Do you want to start something fresh? Maybe something not in the
0: same style? I always wanted to do a pro wrestling book because I love professional wrestling, um, I actually do some, like, consultation with mm-hmm. uh, a couple of indie wrestling promotions. Okay. Like I help them with their storylines, and, like, I talk to wrestlers all the time and stuff like that. But um, I really think that after the shooter game is finished, I would love to do a Minds Behind the 80s games. Okay. And then a Minds Behind the 90s games yeah. and so on and so on. Because, like, um, this is so much work. Yeah. But it's so much fun. And yeah. it's, it's rewarding. Time. Yeah. And the thing is, I was just talking to somebody before I came on the podcast, and I said, just from these four books, we're talking like that's another like five or six years of like yeah. promoting,
1: yeah, essentially. Yeah.
0: So if I plan to do like And oh, you're
1: a tireless promoter, man, which yeah, I appreciate, I have to yeah. Be. yeah. And yeah. that's the
0: thing; it's like I want to apologize to everybody that like buys the book, and I'm like, oh, send me a selfie or something like that. But like that helps so much, yeah, because like word of mouth is like everything, and it's like I I whore myself basically on like Instagram. Like I take I post Sometimes stuff You
1: gotta do all that, man, all
0: the time because. The thing is, I have an academic publisher, and they're great, and they help me sell my book to yeah. libraries and stuff. Yeah, but, but they not... don't help
1: you get it to the hands of the gamers Yeah, and the audience that you really want to get yep. it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, I have to do that myself. So, like I've had people that have said to me, like, oh, I bought the book. Is that, isn't that that good enough? And I'm like, yeah, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, But like, I need you to be happy that you bought it. You want to
2: continue the chain, it.
0: essentially. Has, with um, as somebody,
2: since you're working with an academic publisher, mm-hmm. is there... Obviously, I know that we've sort of touched on this a little bit, but these people that you've already talked about, these games that you've already talked about, are you – and maybe not now, but at some point, do you think you might go back and maybe try to talk to different developers or different people that worked on some of these games and maybe come out with like a second edition or something like that that's a little more expanded? It's funny
0: that you said that too because like um, the Boom Blocks chapter – yeah. In the, in the next book, um, that guy Tomo Mur- Murawaki, he was the lead um, level designer for Spider-Man Two on PS2. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't speak to him for Spider-Man Two. Okay. I spoke to the um, programmer who was the guy that created the web slinging system yeah the, the web slinging system inspired because yeah, <laughs> yeah. you you couldn't web slang from the sky anymore you had to connect to stuff yeah, yeah. and it was open world yeah mm-hmm. i spoke to him for boom boom blocks instead so like hopefully one day i'd love to do like an expanded edition and get like maybe like another one or two sources for each. yeah chapter. kind of like an yeah. addendum
1: to it yeah that mm-hmm. would be fantastic so that would be good yeah. cool. all right so that about wraps it up for us. Yeah. And uh, I want to thank you once more, Patrick, for joining oh, us. I no, thanks so a- a- much. Any, anything else you want to plug? Where can we find you?
0: Um, like I said, um, if you go to Patrick yep. okay. that has links to like. That's
1: a one stop shop for all Patrick Hickey shop. stuff.
0: Yeah, and then um, on Twitter, I'm at ReviewFixPat. Fix okay. Pat. Um, I'm on Instagram as Patrick Hickey Jr. So, you can just Google me. I'm Google yep. yeah, yeah. You're, you're there. And the thing is, I, I answer.
1: You have a presence in the internet. I answer everybody. And
0: yeah. um, it's tiring sometimes. And my wife yells at me. She's like, why are you on the phone? Da, 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 da. But it's Like, it's my job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, because it's like I want to build a brand. And it's like, I mean, Halloween 2016 is when this all started. When I was just like, you know what? No, I, I need to do something more than yeah. what I'm doing. Because at that point, I was already like – Full, I'm a full-time college professor mm. I have tenure I have a, I have a job until I die yeah you know and um, I have a wife that loves me but you
1: feel you wanted more
0: but I, yeah I felt like I needed more and this has been so much more but then yeah. it got me into the video game industry yeah and now I'm doing the comics so it's like I'm still not yeah done yet. you're still not yeah. satisfied and like um I mean just since like February I started really like taking care of myself like I've lost 90 pounds since February yeah that's so awesome it's just man. Like, Congrats. I'm just like I'm hungry yeah. like for life You know, so I want people that if they're interested in my stuff to ask me questions. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And hopefully, you know, what you're doing inspires other people to go out there and get it and do it.
0: Absolutely. Um, And like we said before, there's so many people that are either doing it and not doing it right. Or they just say that they want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So one of like the things I like I kind of hang my head on is like if it changes today, if it changes tomorrow, that's fine. But like the book's been out for over a year and yeah. it still has a five star rating on Amazon.
2: Yeah, good.
0: And we live in a n in a world where people love to shit on stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And for a year and a half, no one shit on this book yet. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so that that to me well, means a lot. We
1: would all like to take a bow. Um, all of us are gonna take a bow to you. Thank, Thank you, so. Patrick. Thank you for Thank for you. joining us. Thank you for really doing something that not everyone is doing and that it's extremely critical to preserve history, preserve mm-hmm. memories and preserve this medium that we love so much. Um, as uh, we have said, we are the region free gamers podcast. Uh, this has been Ozzy Garcia, um, Arnaldo Paris right here next to us and uh, Paul Romalo over in the Yukon. And you can find us on every pretty much every platform out there. We're on Instagram at Region Free Gamers Podcast. We're on Twitter at Region Free Gamer. And we also have a website now. So if you want to see what we're doing and what is the latest that we're working on, you can always contact us there. On the website, you're going to have pretty much a companion to the episode. So you're going to be able to see pictures, etc., that are going to serve as a supplement to everything that we talk about on the episodes. And you also get original articles. Uh, we haven't gotten Patrick Hickey yet to write an article for us, <laughs> but we'll talk behind the scenes. Um, so this has been awesome. If you like what you hear, again, subscribe to us. Leave yeah. us a review on iTunes. That would help us immensely. Do that goodness. Yep. And uh, it it has been a great time. Thank you, Patrick, once more. And uh, until next time, uh, we'll be here on the Region Free Gamers Podcast. Peace.